Welcome, Guardians. It's October 9th and 10th, 2016, and you're listening to Ghost Stories, a Destiny podcast. This is episode 30, and I guess... No, it's not. 30. <laughs> Dang it! Not 30. Can I not... I can never <laughs> say a number properly. It's episode 40. I was busy thinking about Halloween, because we were just talking about the 30th is when we were recording. Never mind. It's season two, though. Because we just yeah. celebrated a birthday, and this is our second year, and beginning of our second year. So, uh, yeah, season two is is here upon us. Um, but today, uh, well, we're not going to talk about Rise of Iron. I think we mentioned that in our little birthday episode. At least not, like, the show's not focusing on it. So, I mean, we'll mention it and probably reference some things from it. But it's not, this isn't a direct show about the rise of iron so but we're gonna go back let's go back a little bit and talk about uh destiny's i guess first real expansion and uh get into the the nice deep dark lore and and stories from the dark below uh we've got some previous shows that covered eris and the first crow to fire team uh we've interviewed morla gorndona who's the voice of eris morn uh we've gotten some of her in, insights and, and thoughts on the hive and, and as, as Eris kind of saw things or, or what she thought Eris would kind of see. And, and she told us about all of her, her voice uh, roles as far as like how she, how she made like a lot of the hive noises that she was involved in early on in, in the first year. But let's, uh, let's just lay the whole thing out and, and keep working on this kind of, as Drop calls it, this big roadmap of destiny that that we've been working on for the past year, uh, until we so we can work our way towards this newest content and get into uh, what's going on with destiny some more. So I'm X-Ray, and with me this week I've got Drop Slash. What's going on? Hello, it's been a while. Yeah, a couple weeks. You took some time off to explore Rise of Iron and and play the game and enjoy the content, and it's been crazy. Like everything from the Outbreak Prime quest to mastering the raid to learning that 385 was not the light level cap. Like, <laughs> surprise! I know. So it's just been a lot of crazy playing my my normal clan, my little crew. We've we played through all the story missions together, did the, all the raid together. We've been doing all the Iron Banner together. We've sort of just cranking out the content. Uh, we had a lot of fun in the raid just enjoying the game for what it is like the the game section of it uh my crew is all over 385 now i've got all three of my characters are over 385 jeez and i think chrono is 388 on his main titan right now jeez uh either 87 or 88 he he got there quick so you know once we got there and night fork is absolutely loving supremacy uh, it's his new favorite crucible game mode. He loves just head first charging into people on Striker <laughs> Titan and just like devastating anybody who comes close to him. So we've been we've been really enjoying the gameplay aspects of the content for what it is. Uh, and then it's given me waking nightmares about the lore. So <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we'll, yeah, we'll get to that. Uh, <laughs> we also have with us this week Sherbert Pop. What's happening? Yeah, it's gone good. It's been a long time since we recorded. Missed you guys. <laughs> but it was 
the two weeks we had off has timed pretty well, actually. It's been school holidays here for the past two weeks, so my house was not a quiet place to be with my brothers home from school. Nice. But so it's well timed our break, <laughs> um, but just just been uh, working through Rise of Iron at a slow and steady pace. I'm not over 360 yet, but you know, getting there, getting there. Did the raid yesterday for the first time, doing awesome. it blind. Nice. Uh, but we didn't finish it, obviously, because we're trying to work out the mechanics as we go. We got to the first boss. Uh, we did well. It was it was really fun, actually. It it I don't know if I've ever had the chance to work out the mechanics because I'd always come into a raid after people had already played it. So it was lots of fun just as a team trying to figure out how you how you tackle a, a puzzle or a section. Just want to say I'm, I'm very proud of my boyfriend for being a pro jumping titan and leading the way on the jumping puzzle. Because <laughs> <laughs> normally he complains about jumping puzzles. He was grumbling as we got there, but he didn't fall once, I think. I think he fell when I pushed him off. <laughs> oh, so, yes. Of course. Yeah. <laughs> and that was, uh, you heard, kind of jump in there, Gabble Ratchet. What's going on, man? It's so weird to think that the last time we really did this was before Rise of Iron and so many things had happened. Um, I know. It's yeah. like we we never talked about the three and a half hours of error codes we got when the DLC launched. Like <laughs> oh, <laughs> any of that stuff. I had forgotten about that until right now. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, Drop and I got up at, at well, well actually you didn't get up. You never slept. I never slept. Uh, <laughs> I stayed awake for like thirty hours. Yeah. I got up at like three thirty AM for me and yeah, we hopped on and um yeah, stared at error codes for three hours with everybody else. It was great fun. Wow. We watched our queue numbers go crazy. Like, Yeah. Yeah, it was good times. But uh, <laughs> I, I have to say, <clears throat> I really enjoy Wrath of the Machine. I was just looking at my stats. I've completed it 11 times. Holy um, moly. I've spent 38 hours in that raid already. Uh, so it's cool that it shows that on your Grimoire card for that one. That shows okay. how, how much time you've actually spent in that raid. Yeah, so, but that's been so much fun. Like, I did a run last night with some um, with Hidden, and then with a bunch of uh, his Derp Fam friends. Then, like, three of them had never completed it. So, I think every time I've done it, there's been at least one person that hadn't completed it yet. Uh, so that's been really fun. Uh, Iron Banner has been up and down for me. Basically, it's up if I get a reward, and it's down if I don't. Uh, so much shotgun salt right now. I have enjoyed my my fusion rifle and, and killing a, a very large number of shotgunners who couldn't get in range before I vooped them in the face. But uh, <laughs> Yeah, it's... Uh, I've been having a, so much fun on Blade Dancer. I feel like it's a return to Blade Dancer for me. So have um, you been using uh, Shinobu's Vow? I have not. I've been using uh, Tarantella. Okay. Okay. I have a Shinobu's but I haven't even used it yet. Um, but I've I've experienced that on the receiving end, <laughs> and those grenades are nuts. They're mean. Yeah. Well, you you yeah. mentioned. Okay. I was gonna say you mentioned uh, hidden in the derp fam, and I just thought of this. Uh, next Saturday or this coming Saturday, the fifteenth, is there. Uh, yeah, Midwest, Midwest Missouri yeah. meetup. Yes, yes. And I'm uh, still planning on getting over there. It's, awesome. uh, it's a few hours from, from my door. Uh, but yeah, I'm going to do my best to, to drive over there. I think uh, Lanky T, who lives uh, kind of in South County here in St. Louis, 
uh, was going to be driving and wanted to carpool with me, so I might even have somebody to, to drive me so I can sleep. <laughs> nice. That's kind of my even thing. Better. I get in the car and I just fall asleep if I'm a passenger. It makes everyone mad, but eh, whatever. <laughs> so, well, uh, yeah, let's move. Let's get this thing going. I think this is going to be a long one. Uh, oh, man, stats. I, so I met, shout out to Jared B from our amazing uh, contributing artist and member of our Slack chat. Uh, he swung through uh, Oakland where I live last night. We hung out and had pizza and talked destiny and he dropped off an awesome pin from PAX for me, uh, oh, nice. which I also have to mention uh, daughter Judy who helped make that happen. But we were briefly talking weapons, and he has an obscene amount of kills with J-Lo's Supercell. <laughs> uh, and I told myself, as soon as I get home, I got to see how many kills I have with just my swords. Because I'm pretty sure my swords are my highest kill count weapons. Uh, and if you combine Raze Lighter, Dark Drinker, and Bolt Caster, I have like 62,000 kills with swords. <laughs> Holy moly. Where does it? Does it show? Is that on Bungie.net? No, go to the if you go to the grimoire and you click on the stats section of any individual weapon, it tells you how many kills you have with it. I want I want to see how many sword kills I've got now. (laughs) Well, speaking of speaking of those two, speaking of Jared B and uh, and daughter Judy, uh, they when they were at PAX picked up a few extra uh, Union of Light codes that we've been running this contest, this screenshot contest for. And uh, they extended it another week. I think it was supposed to end this weekend, but they pushed it out another week just so people could could jump in. So if you're interested in trying to win yourself one of those Union of Light codes, uh, head on over to uh, destinyghoststories.com to find out some information about it. Uh, but essentially, if you're on Twitter, you can throw the hashtag uh, DGS Iron Rises on a screenshot or you can email your screenshot to dghoststoriesironrises at gmail.com. But if you don't remember that, and like I said, just go check out our website, and we've got it posted over there. Is it on the blog section? Yeah, it's it's pinned to the top of our blog. Okay. Yeah, so go to the the blog, and and you can get some more info there. So uh, what else we got here? Drop, you got something you want to talk about, I think, right? So... I've been I was pinging our Slack chat about this and we had a lot of discussions over the past two weeks about what we're going to cover next as we jump into the second season of Ghost Stories. And, you know, Rise of Iron is the obvious one because it's brand new and it's right on the front of everybody's brain. Uh, but we don't know everything yet. Like we had a discussion last week about if we were going to cover Rise of Iron and Iron Banner hadn't even started yet. So we hadn't even seen Ephrodite. So we decided to not cover Rise of Iron. Until we have a better picture of everything that's involved in Rise of Iron. I know it's tempting to dive in now and get it all out there. But everything is kind of what we do at Ghost Stories. So until we know more and are able to have put the pieces together a little bit better. We're, we're not going to tackle Rise of Iron head on. Uh, but like you mentioned in the intro, we are going to build a bit of a roadmap towards Rise of Iron. Uh, we're going to take a long look at how we got here by pulling apart everything that's come before. Uh, part of that is because Rise of Iron plays hard on nostalgia 
And there's a lot of callbacks to year one and vanilla destiny and things like that. But a lot of people who play destiny right now weren't year one players. So some of that nostalgia that we find so fond and endearing may not resonate with everybody. So let's, let's help explain where some of that nostalgia is coming from and where some of those year one things are coming from. Uh, and there's also a lot of other things in Rise of Iron. One of the big ones that I picked up on was the conflict that exists between the Hive and the Fallen. And that goes all the way back to the like the third mission in Vanilla Destiny. So there's it's not just some new thing they invented because they thought it would be cool. There's a deep history of conflict between the Hive and the Fallen. So I, I want to go into that and explain some of these these things before we jump into Rise of Iron head on. So that's really what we're going to start doing. Uh, we're going to get to Rise of Iron, but we're going to paint the whole picture uh, on the way there. So, Yeah, I think that's going to be great. We're like the only outlet that's going to be able to do something like that on this level of detail. Yeah. So I think one of the th- what I write here, uh, Rise of Iron is the dessert course of Destiny, the Destiny 1 meal. Uh, and while everyone is super hyped for dessert, there was a lot of delicious content in the previous courses. So that's where we're starting. <laughs> <laughs> It's like the sugar-free pudding. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, I no, I don't think, I think Rise of Iron is dessert made out of pixie sticks. <laughs> and it's like, it's like skip all the pretense and go right to the flavored sugar. <laughs> Inject it directly. Yeah. Like, <laughs> but you can't, you can't get to dessert without eating the rest of your meal first. So let's. I want to take a look at some of that stuff and where we've gone into in the past. We've talked about the Taken King. We've talked about House of Wolves. We talked about First Crow to Fire Team. Well, let's talk about the expansions that gave us all that stuff. Uh, that's what landed us here at the the Dark Beyond, or the Dark Below and the Dark Within. So we're going to break those those missions down and that expansion down, and set the stage for what happens in Rise of Iron. So that's why this is not a Rise of Iron episode, directly. And may not be one for a while. Or ever, Correct. really. I mean, because the grimoire is going to be so intertwined with everything else, it's just going to kind of get mixed in. So, And that's another big part of it. Like, Rise of Iron gives a ton of grimoire that references things that happened way back. So, to me, it seems silly to jump into Rise of Iron and start talking about things that reference topics we haven't even covered yet when those things came way before. Right, right. I mean, it's, it's you know, you can't just lump it all into to this one thing. It's got to be, you know, it, it's fed off of what we've learned over the past two years to some degree. I mean, there's, so, there's yeah. some new stuff, but, yeah, it'll be it'll be fun as we, we, you know, we'll definitely make note of what's new and what's old, and we always kind of try to reference where the Grimoire came from, so we'll keep doing that. Just do our thing. You so. be you. And I'll be me. Wait, that's what you just said. (laughs) (laughs) I've got a bad feeling about this. So, wait, not the Rise of Iron thing. That was a quote from Ghost from The Dark Within, right? Dark Within. I've got a bad feeling. Yeah, so we're going to go way back. This is is real, like, OG Destiny. This is The Dark Within is the third major story mission, and it occurs immediately, immediately after Restoration. Uh, but this is where we really first start learning about a lot of interesting things uh, that will take us through every expansion, uh, including Rise of Iron. So this is 
the sown seed. So we're starting here uh, because it's not only the Guardian's first encounter with the Hive, but it sets the stage. It lays the groundwork for the conflict between the Fallen and the Hive. Uh, so the mission description for the Dark Within. Uh, investigate reports of a hidden power trapped in the Cosmodrome Array Stations. So the context of where you are in the game when this mission happens, not a lot seems amiss. Uh, it just seems like a very small mission. Like this is running up and you don't even make it to Skywatch. This is the one where you hit the closed door. Uh, and let's just talk about some of the dialogue here because this is the mission that gave birth to a million memes. <laughs> it really did. <laughs> So the, the opening or the this mid-mission dialogue said, there are reports that the fallen back at the Cosmodrome were keeping a pretty tight guard in the old Skywatch. Could be one of their leaders or it could be something valuable. The speaker's asking guardians to look into it. Uh, that something valuable is something we learn about in the next mission, which is the Warmind. Uh, the fallen are trying to access Rasputin, but later we learn that the Hive are deeply invested in Rasputin for a lot of reasons. We'll cover that much more later when we talk about uh, the Dark Below. But this is where we learn that Rasputin is going to be a major player on both the Hive and Fallen sides. It's my I only ever hear these lines in, in Dinklebot's voice. I'm, oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, so this next line we pulled out uh, you know this place must have been amazing before the collapse. Thousands of humans boarding the colony ships off to build cities beyond. And in previous episodes, we've talked about the traits of ghosts. We have some very fierce conversations in the Slack chat about is a guardian just like a puppet to the ghost? Like how do we with no memories, how do we know how what we're really acting on? Uh, and the sort of the nature of the ghosts, we've talked a lot about that, especially with some of the Rise of Iron cards, talking about SIVA-infected ghosts and what their personalities are and how they have names and they talk to each other. But this line reveals that even though the ghosts were born from the Traveler, they may not have the memories that the Traveler had because the Traveler would know exactly what the Cosmodrome looked like before the collapse. It helped create it. Uh, so... It seems like the ghosts don't have much knowledge of the Golden Age, or at least not any kind of direct connection to memories about the Golden Age. Which is a fun little tidbit on the nature of ghosts. Uh, and then we're in, this was one of Skywatch's old array stations, a link to the lunar colonies. And this is the sort of the basement entry point to this building. Uh, and I just made a note here that Skywatch is an often overlooked location. I think it's where we all just fight Rick Sori lost to Fallen, the, the taken major who's there. Because mm -hmm. you can stand on top of the house and just bombard him with heavy ammo. <laughs> but Skywatch is a super, super, super important location. Uh, again, it's a site. There's a hive cedar that's smashed in there uh, that leads deeper into the complex. We'll talk more about how important Skywatch is to the hive and how important it is to the Fallen uh, as we get further into this. Uh, you open the door, uh, the hive, they're already here. I pulled this out because it's an interesting choice of words using already, as if Ghost was expecting them to be there, just not this soon. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so that's a weird line. 
And then, yeah, <laughs> that wizard came from the moon. <laughs> the line that sparked a thousand memes, like all the way back from. Was this mission available in alpha? It must have been. It's only the third mission. I know it was. I know it was a beta. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, it. that that wizard came from the moon. That wizard is Gotra Earspawn, uh, and it's the first time we see the name of any of the worm gods. Uh, not that we knew that at the time, but this wizard is directly named, and we'll see those names a little bit later too. Uh, so that we have the very again the third mission of Destiny, and we're already introduced to the names of these giant sort of still unseen protagonists that will drive a huge expansion later on. So I wonder if they knew that at the time. I mean, yeah. I suppose we could ask Seth. Yeah. <laughs> I would be or super if... surprised if that was just like a thing that they just threw in there that was sort of vague referencing something that they were like, yeah, somebody will write something later that'll fill this in. That's kind of what I was thinking was, you know, you know, maybe he was given that given the, the current, story as it is prior to writing you know about the the worm gods and mm -hmm. and then just kind of built on that and said oh well here we go here we can take some of these references and name them so be fun to find out it would it also creates an interesting connection here so that wizard is part of the spawn of crota that particular house of hive so I wonder what Ear's relationship to Crota is in this case. Uh, we'll talk way more about Crota as we get into the uh, the dark below. But we don't know the effects really that the worm gods have on individual houses. I mean, houses of problem, individual sort of sects of the hive. Because we know there's the spawn of Oryx. There's the spawn of Crota. There's these different branches of the hive and how they relate to the worm gods. We still don't really know. So, uh, and then we have this next line that we've talked about in the past and how it muddies up the timeline. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so the hive haven't been on earth in centuries. The darkness could be a lot closer than we think. We should probably get moving. Uh, yeah, the hive haven't been on earth in centuries. That doesn't seem right. So we've talked about that line before. We've talked about Rusted Lands when we talked about this uh, because that Rusted Lands card supposedly outlines the first encounter with the Hive on Earth or at least confirms it. But that is also recorded during the City Age. Uh, at least it's recorded to the point where there's a speaker. So we knew. We knew the Hive were here. We knew the Hive were on Earth. We knew... Very recently, the Hive were on Earth. Uh, and I put a note here, there's a chance that the Rusted Lands incident could be sealed officially. And again, we've talked about this. It doesn't account for the stories of the people who were there, like the refugees who were rescued from the Rusted Lands. They must have said something to somebody. <laughs> It'd be hard to keep that secret, right? Yeah, you'd think. Uh, so that's weird. And then the Rusted Lands card has weird language on it, too, that we've talked about with the ancient enemy has returned. So we they, we knew. We we knew. So I don't, again, this is, could be an example of our ghost being completely inept. Uh, <laughs> like, I wonder if he, when he was flying around the Cosmodrome looking for us, he actually did have a headset on and he was just listening to music and not paying attention to all the things that were actually happening out there. Uh, 
Well, see, then it makes that comment weird about the hive they're already here. And that makes it seem like he was expecting them to be there, but just not. Like, it's either either he expected them to be there, or he expected them to come to Earth mm-hmm. at some point. So why does he sound surprised later on, you know? Right. Well, there's like, a line like, oh, later. they're already here so soon. Like, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So... And it's funny because he speaks another line. We're not, we'll talk about it when we talk about the world's grave when he says the hive have been seeding Earth for centuries. Directly conflicts this line saying they haven't been here for centuries. <laughs> so it's just like, thanks, ghost, what? <laughs> well, centuries is one of those words you can throw it around and it might mean two or it might mean seven. No, well, it can't mean seven, right? It's, it can't <laughs> right. mean more than 400. Right. <laughs> Because now we have the Iron Lords and we have Saladin and we have this 400 number where – so this means that the Iron Lords must have never encountered the Hive <laughs> or they would have probably left some record of it somewhere. Uh, but this line also – I was thinking about this line about the Hive having been on Earth in centuries. There's a lot of debate over the Ray's Lighter card and where the Battle of Burning Lake was. Yeah. Shaxx directly references the Battle of Burning Lake. So Burning Lake couldn't have been on Earth, or this line really makes no sense. Because that would have been like an official Vanguard Tower encounter between the forces of the Guardians of the Vanguard and the Hive on Earth in recent history, like prior to Mare Imbrium. Yeah. So burning That's, lake that would be very well documented. Yeah. So So again, I'm I get concerned that our ghost is a little special. Uh, <laughs> and maybe he's not paying attention to everything that he's that but then again it's like he had he's read the entire uh uh Tolan's journal and he's downloaded all of the world's grave and it's like you you know everything about everything. How could you not know about this? He's heard the legends. Apparently. <laughs> he knows how tall a gate lord is, at least. Yeah. Except and he doesn't I, know what a gate lord is or what the Vex are. Three stories yeah. tall. Time? That doesn't sound right. <laughs> Where have you been? What were you well, doing I mean, before you, you know, found we me? Well, we haven't talked about this either, but there's that line when you first land on Venus where he's like, oh, we, or maybe it's Mark, we thought this was all lost in the collapse. And then it's like... Five minutes later, Vanguard, the Guardians used to have machines to track the Vex. And it's like, but I thought we hadn't encountered them before. What? <laughs> What's happening? Uh, anyway. Hey, we were much more We were much more powerful once. 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 <laughs> Only one time. That's what that means. One time, <laughs> the one we time. were more powerful, but then it didn't happen anymore. It never happened again. <laughs> they were empowered by SIVA and then never <laughs> <laughs> see uh, we're gonna talk about rise of iron there it is boom done there you go there's your show <laughs> so and then we have this the we should probably get moving i love that line that line is so casual because you have the darkness could be a lot closer than we think we should probably get moving like where where <laughs> where the end of the world is coming yeah, we should probably leave, I guess. <laughs> like, Maybe. Where should we get moving to? Yeah, but you, 
we ripped just, the claws off this corpse. We should yeah. probably get moving and give it to the Vanguard. So this is something we haven't talked about that we're going to mention later on, is that these missions were a little bit different in the original vanilla Destiny than they were after the whole questification of Destiny. Yeah. So this warping claws thing, uh, which was taken from defeated Thrall, I think this is only in vanilla Destiny. Is this still part of the the questification thing? Like you bring these warping claws? I bet it's not. I don't know, though. I haven't done this in so long. Because you can skip tons of these missions uh, in the new, in Destiny 2.0 after the Taken King. So, But yeah, you have to bring claws back. <laughs> and I like your note here because the Vanguard just won't take our word for it. <laughs> we, yeah, are a new, we are a new Guardian at this point. Uh, but so. it's not like our completely accurate description of the things we just encountered wouldn't be worrisome since we had no other way of knowing what the Hive looked like because we hadn't encountered them yet. So let's just bring their hand. <laughs> I found this hand. <laughs> so let's talk about that. Let's talk about how nobody but us had ever gone to that door before. Uh, so in the context of where you are in the game when this mission happens, not much seems amiss or awry. You're just running sort of sorties here for the Vanguard. But when you look at the bigger picture, this mission slams into the game wall pretty harshly. The implication that the Hive have been using the Cosmodrome as a breeding ground for a terrestrial army for quite a while. So how are we the first person to happen across this? Uh, we know from the, in this section of Earth that we patrol all the I time. know. Well, so I, well, I was thinking about that. Where it's like, well, our ghosts found us in the Cosmodrome. So maybe they were sent back to the Cosmodrome to investigate because... That's like our home turf, kind of, maybe. Uh, but then we talk about Six Coyote. The Six Coyote patrolled the Cosmodrome pretty extensively. Uh, and then the, the Iron Lords... They're right next door. Are You can... If you go to Fellwinter Peak, especially now, uh, you won't be able to right now unless you have an Eisenfire token. But if you go to the cliffs and you look at the Cosmodrome from Fellwinter Peak, you can see cedars smash into the ground. Yeah. So how did the how did the Iron Lords never be like, oh, I wonder what that thing down there is? Their their whole thing was the Cosmodrome because they're so close to it. How they not know the Hive were there? It's probably just Rasputin stuff. Nothing to worry about. Let's feed the wolves. (laughs) (laughs) But that's and even then, yeah, that's a great example. So we know that the Hive have always been interested in finding Rasputin. And if the Iron Lords went looking for Rasputin, how do they never encounter the Hive? It's really weird. Yes. Well, so so, so a while, though, is a lot more kind of arbitrary number than centuries. I mean, centuries, we can define that by 100, 200, 300 years. A while could be, you know, what, a week? <laughs> I mean, technically, uh, you know, who knows with that one, but... True. But the whole thing but, is weird because it's like it's not like the hive are only locked away in that one room. You can go patrol the Cosmodrome and they're in like every cave. You when you land in the steps, they're right below you. Yeah. <laughs> With so, question marks over their heads for the first time. Correct. Yeah. So this is so it's weird also because this is it's the storyline is playing to the fact that you were the only guardian, right? You were 
you are the guardian. And so you are doing these things for the first time. And it lives in this murky spot between are there hundreds of guardians? Because canonically there are. But we're the only guardian who explored this particular path of thing. I mean, Ghost even says in the very next mission, no, Ghost is in this mission. The speaker is asking guardians to look into it. So how are we the first person? Like, We had the fastest ship. We got there before all those other slow (laughs) boats. The fastest piece of junk we just rebuilt. Yeah, I mean, we. I don't think you even have a sparrow at this point because you haven't activated the grid yet. Right. Because that's part of the one that takes you to the Forgotten Shore. So there's some weird, there's some weird timeline-ish issues here. Again, like we we know outside of the game that Rise of Iron wasn't even a thing. Uh, but this leaves this sort of like open loophole, even without the Iron Lords involved in the view from Fellwinter Peak. How did Six Coyote never encounter the Hive uh, in the Cosmodrome? How did no other Guardian but us encounter them in the Cosmodrome? Like, it just seems like if Cedars are smashing into the Cosmodrome, that we should be the first person to find them behind a door. Right. (laughs) Uh, So, yeah. No, I didn't even click. All right, here we go. So... That mission, if you look up some of the other texts from that mission, The Dark Below, we have this great quote from Cade, classic Cade, but this you know, presents more questions. We always feared the hive would rise again, harbingers of the darkness to come. Again? Uh, their presence on Earth demands that we strike their strongholds on the moon, the last place we face them. A lot of guardians never come back, especially the new. Are you new? Oh, well, I'm sure you'll make it. And that's the grimoire from the dark within this is a whole other world of problems (laughs) Uh, their presence on earth demands we strike their strongholds on the moon that makes sense i can't say i follow that logic uh especially considering hundreds or thousands of guardians were destroyed up there yeah we'll be fine it's okay he has to remember that as well because he says rise again so obviously he's recalling the last time that Guardians and the Hive had a big clash. Yeah. Well, something like that. Yeah, well, that, well, that just that tells w- us Cade's been around since before Mariembrium, right? Yes. But that again thing, is that referencing Earth or just a conflict that happened on the moon? Well, he didn't say rise on Earth again. True. He just says we'd fear they'd rise again. And I assume that means like rise in strength. Um, and then their presence on Earth demands we strike the strongholds on the moon seems like. You, you know the learning history doomed to repeat it sort of thing like yeah that's like if you know that's like that's, oh there was a bee on my porch i better go like whack the hot like literally the beehive with a stick because i found one inside my house i don't kill it <laughs> yeah and especially when you've only just you know recovered from the bee stings of yesterday when you did the same thing and didn't yeah, that, work. Yeah. Bees killed my <laughs> entire family and I found one in my house. So now I'm going to go to where they live and attack them by myself. No bad could come of this. Kill it. Uh, <laughs> uh, or not even that. Like in this case, it's Cade, right? He's saying this. It's not even I'm going to go do it. I'm going to send my kid to go do it. <laughs> it's like, here you go, Billy. Here's your fly swatter. Go take out that hornet's nest. 
but then again, Cade has his own agendas, so who knows what his plan is. He could still be on the hunt for Tanex for all we know. Uh, but this line, a lot of Guardians never come back. At this point, though, the moon is still quarantined. Guardians shouldn't be going there in the first place. So, especially the new, why would you send new Guardians to a quarantine zone <laughs> where thousands of Guardians previously died? Again, they were special. <laughs> this is like, like sending your infant to attack the hornet's nest. <laughs> they're still at the point where they're like keen and ready and listening to what the Vanguard says. And they're like, <laughs> go, go to the moon. Yeah. Go kill the hive. <laughs> go do it. Yeah. Like, okay. Anything for this sweet Vanguard armor. Yeah. <laughs> do I get rep? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> So we're going to get to we're going to get to that poor dude who didn't come back in a minute. Uh, but we'll finish up here uh, on Earth. Uh, and that takes us to these last couple missions. Uh, this one was yesterday's uh, heroic mission and one of my favorite missions in the entire game. The last array. So between the dark within and the last array is the Warmind mission and there's no real hive involved there it's mostly fallen but it does set an interesting precedent with this piece of dialogue so we're we're referenced to Warmind mission real quick uh ghost says they didn't get much kept hitting an active firewall old earth russian the legends are true. A war mine did survive the collapse. Rasputin, an AI built to defend Earth. He faced the darkness and survived, and he's protecting something here in the Cosmodrome. We have to find a way to reach him. So this is a pretty throwaway line at the end of this mission, after you blow up the thing that Rasputin was sort of in. Uh, but there's a lot. The next mission is in the Skywatch, so... The common belief is that it's the last array that Rasputin is protecting. Uh, but why would the Fallen care about the last array? So if you go back and you read the original House of Devils Grimoire card, it mentions that the Devils are digging deep into the Cosmodrome and looking for something. So with what we know now at Rise of Iron, this thing that in the Cosmodrome that Rasputin could be protecting could be Siva. From because this is remember this is a fallen mission. The fallen are looking for something, mm-hmm. not the hive. So, Rise of Iron gives new context to this line. This line obviously wasn't written because Siva hadn't even been conceived of yet, but now retroactively, this is like a really cool reference point uh, that could be related to sort of Siva and all the crazy stuff that happens below the Cosmodrome with the House of Devils. Uh, and it is the House of Devils you face in the Warmind mission, too. So that that ties together, like, really, really well, sort of. And the Hive fly in there at the end, too, right? No, in the last array, they do. Okay, in the, yeah. In the Warmind, they do not. Okay. Uh, man, when this was the heroic, the daily heroic, the Warmind, when it used to be, oof. It's when... It's the room... It's the first room you're in in the Omnigool strike. 
uh, just reversed. So the left-hand side where all the when you run into the little bunker and you can shoot straight forward and the hive uh-huh. come out of the right on the left where those high were hanging out. That is where this, that room is where this mission takes place. Okay. Yeah. I mean, go, go back. I mean, I went and played a couple of these old missions just to become refamiliarized with them. And we, we retread a lot of the same paths and a lot of these locations become really, really significant. So yeah, that's, <clears throat> the war mine mission that takes us to the last array uh, which again like i said is probably my favorite mission in the game the music's awesome the implications for the story are awesome everything about it's awesome i wish the whole game was this style of mission uh, <laughs> there were reports that a team of guardians went dark near the old Skywatch. they were running a mission for dead orbit had codes to a hidden array that could reconnect us to the other colonies in the system if we can find their ghosts Maybe we can open that array. Uh, and that is the beginning of the last array mission. Uh, and this mission is significant. This is the first time. I mean, I guess it's not the first time. But it is a mission where we encounter both Hive and Fallen. And we get confirmation from Ghost that the Skywatch and the Cosmodrome are a Hive breeding ground. <laughs> which means that Omnigul's down there somewhere just I don't I have no thoughts on hive reproductive processes uh, but apparently she's down there spawning a whole bunch of new ones uh, and we have this line the vanguards say they're spilling onto the surface now keeping the fallen busy so this is when we really learn that the hive and the fallen have their own conflicts yeah, and we encounter that in the actual the first part of the Skywatch itself, which in man in Vanilla Destiny was a dangerous zone to be in. Uh, you've got Hive, you've got Fallen. There's that Hive Knight that lives in that little hidden room underneath. Sometimes it's an ogre, which is even crazier. <laughs> oh yeah, <laughs> yeah. That room. When I first discovered that room, I'm like, oh, what a cool. I wonder what's down here. And then you jump down there. It's like an ogre, just like waiting oh no. For you. And you're like, how do I get out? Is that the uh, one off the edge in Skywatch? Yeah, yeah, yep. yeah. I, I have so much fun with that because if it's a knight, it's fine. He'll just charge up the side and I kill him. I have had the ogre glitch out so much that you run down there to shoot the ogre because I want to farm them or something, and you're like. The ogre is not here. He has not spawned. And then he spawns on top of you, on the edge. <laughs> like, he just pops in while you're standing there wondering where the heck he is. The number of times I've been killed from an ogre slam because he spawned on top of me and just punched me into the ground. Mm-hmm. And I was like, ah, I really I just want to farm stuff. And this zone is going to become really, really significant in not just in the dark below, uh, but also in House of Wolves. This is a major battleground for the House of Wolves. They they try and retake the Skywatch. Uh, and the patrolling wolves used to drop there all the time, and they, they were not easy. So this is, you know, we run back through here in Will of Crota. There's all kinds of stuff that we're going to talk about with the Skywatch. It's very, the Taken are there now. Again, the Taken, super important. They send a general there. Uh, so... This is an off, again, often overlooked, but very, very important location. And then the last array itself uh, is super important. Again, often overlooked, but 
not an insignificant thing that we do during this mission. So, a team of guardians. So you have a note here, Gabble, about this team of guardians. Oh, about them potentially being the group that Zavala talks about being scattered across the Cosmodrome? Yes. <laughs> All we know is that they went dark. So uh, They were running a mission for Dead Orbit. Good old Dead Orbit. Uh, I may note here that Control is often considered a Dead Orbit game. Too bad it did not... That training did not help this team. <laughs> they got laid out. Uh, but it's worth noting that so dead orbit this dead orbit team had codes to the array, uh, and this is the first of two hugely important Vanguard related missions that dead orbit is directly involved in. Uh, the second being outbound signal and the Taken King. I don't know how dead orbit gets their hands on this stuff, <laughs> but. <laughs> Again, opening the last array is a hugely significant event in Destiny. And then later, this outbound signal thing where we learn that the Cabal High Command are on their way to our system via this outbound signal. I don't know where Dead Orbit finds this stuff, but let me tell you, New Monarchy's not doing any help. <laughs> <laughs> so, Well, I think it's just, it's Dead Orbit's... Uh, it's nature and their beliefs that they would have more people going out and exploring and finding things undiscovered. So it makes sense that out of the factions, they would find things. Like, I don't know how correct this is. I just have the feeling I get from each faction is that Dead Orbit are the ones going out and exploring. New Monarchy seems like they're very political uh, as controlling in the city, but uh, Future War Cult still exploring but they're exploring stuff like within they're studying things and that so they're not going out and finding undiscovered things to the same extent that you know dead orbit has lots of scouts and they're, they're going out and, and finding these things so it kind of makes sense for them to be the faction coming up with these new things or discovering codes and that sort of stuff that's right the choice of professionals <laughs> yeah definitely <laughs> Uh, and if we can find their ghosts, maybe we can open that array. Uh, and again, we've talked about the last array in a bunch of other episodes, especially the Warmind episodes. The opening of the array is really what kicks off a huge part of the Destiny story. It allows Rasputin to reconnect to the entire sort of uh, inner solar system ring of previously colonized planets. Uh, and really sort of unleashes Rasputin's power back out uh, into into the solar system. Critically important. So then we have a note here. We mentioned this briefly. Uh, an altered introduction. After the great questification that came with the Taken King in patch 2.0, aspects of the storyline changed. Because Eris Morn was now present in the tower, she was involved in this story thread from the very beginning, even though in Vanilla Destiny, these missions were overseen by the Vanguard. Eris originally did not become in the, involved in the Dark Below uh, until the Dark Below expansion was released, which in the original timeline would have happened after our Guardian uh, has destroyed the Heart of the Dark Garden. In post 2.0 universe, these events are all seen through to completion prior to ever encountering the Vex. So it makes a bit more sense after patch 2.0, like tying all this this whole storyline together. I think that was a major complaint of Vanilla Destiny where it's like, 
The Hive have returned. Our ancient enemy are breeding an army under the Skywatch. Please go to Venus next. <laughs> Where they don't yeah. exist. But the Exo Stranger sent us a message. But the Exo Stranger then visits us on the moon and tells <laughs> us to go to Venus. And then we go to Venus, but then we never see the Exo Stranger again. <laughs> Until the very end, where she gives us a gun. Uh, and then the Dark Below happens, where we reach... Anyway, so... <laughs> if you played in year two, these stories were all sort of merged. This Hive storyline was all merged into one continuous story that involved Eris. Uh, if you're a year one Destiny player... This was all sort of all over the place, but the dark below became sort of the big focus. Uh, so speaking of traveling to new and exotic places and killing everything you find there, let's talk about the dark beyond. <laughs> uh, the hive are raising an army here, preparing to invade Earth. We need to stop them. Ghost. So this is on the threshold. This is we're now leaving the Earth and headed to the moon probably in reference to that that Cade comment, hey, they, they came to our house, we have to go to theirs, so let's shoot you off to the moon. <laughs> uh, it's a good thing we found a ship that works. So this line from Ghost that says, we gave up the moon to keep the hive away from Earth. We hoped that would be enough for them. Uh, I made note here of the we gave up the moon part because in all the grimoire, we learn about the terrible things that happened at Mare Imbrium, but we never really know how the conflict ended. We assume that basically the Vanguard retreated and said, nobody go to the moon. Like it's, it's closed, like destination closed. But then we have Cade sending new guardians there apparently. And uh, so that, that quarantine may not be as quarantined as we once thought it was. And then the follow-up line, we hope that would be enough for them, which seems a little naive to think that if we sort of like, oh, no, you keep the moon, never come to Earth, thanks. Like, I don't get the impression that, like, the speaker and Crota sat down and hashed out terms. Uh, like, you guys stay here. It's your place. Just don't come to Earth and everything will be good. To assume that the hive would never leave the moon seems silly. Just sounds like something they came up with to like justify the fact that they ran away. <laughs> like, this, this does. We retreated. This oh, it's just we, we thought it would be enough for them, you know. Like we didn't, we weren't forced to retreat. We we did it out of you know thoughtfulness because we yeah. thought it would be enough. <laughs> like, it just sounds this like line, it's a cover up. This line, well, yeah, this line, especially in Dinklebot's voice, this line very much seems like. Like totally, oh, we 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 gave it up. We we made the benevolent choice to to spare lives and and back away. Let them have like, it. Like fine, you have the moon, but you know it's our choice that yeah. you have the moon. Exactly. It was it was our decision to give it, it like, to you. Dude, we got routed and booted off. <laughs> yeah. And of course, now we know inexplicably, Oryx told Crota to chill. Yes. Which That's, whatever. Man, that is still an answer we don't have. <laughs> And I would why? love to know why, because they had us. They had, yeah, it was done. Dead to rights. Uh, they could have smashed the moon directly into Earth and just eaten the traveler right then. Uh, Tasty. So we're on. We're on the trail of an unknown guardian. Uh, this poor dude. Yeah. This why was he dude. violating the quarantine? 
maybe Kate sent him there because he was new. <laughs> <laughs> like the moon hazing ritual. Yeah. This is like initiation to be the vanguard. You gotta go to the moon. <laughs> if you come back, we'll talk. This poor guy. We don't even, like, this guy never even gets a proper burial. We just leave him there. And then they drop a rock on him. <laughs> That's his proper burial. And then he That's shows up again. And then he shows up again in uh, Clovis Bray. Incinerated, yeah. apparently. <laughs> Poor guy. I, I, once theor- I once theor- we talked about this in the the first Crota episode. I once theorized that this was Vel Tarlo. Uh, this mission makes that accounting impossible. Yeah. Uh, but he is wearing an Eris shader, if you look at his armor. Uh, anyway, an unknown guardian. <clears throat> so, a guardian came here searching for a way into the Hive Fortress, but he just disappeared. Let's pick up his trail. His last known coordinates are up ahead. The guardian's last report said he captured this old accelerator from an unknown fallen house. Some of the equipment shows recent activity. It had to be the guardian's ghost. So, this dude was recent. This is all recent. So, And that sounds no- like... Super official. Like, yeah, exactly. He came here searching for a way into the Hive Fortress. He didn't just stumble on it. He was like, I'm going in there. Yeah, he's legit looking for it. Why? Cade. <laughs> Blame it all on Cade. <laughs> Cade would just like go raid their fridge or something and bring me ba- bring me back something. Uh, he's like really bored one day. He's just sending guardians to go do stuff. Yeah, well, I mean, that certainly seems like it would fit Cade's M.O., right? <laughs> like, he's bored, so he flips, like, he flips a coin. I'll, I'm going to send a guardian either to the moon. Like, I'm going to send him either to the quarantine hive fortress on the moon or the military exclusion zone on Mars, where their death is pretty much guaranteed. What will entertain me more? And he flips a coin, and it's tails, so he sends this poor dude to the moon. Yeah. <laughs> I can totally picture, like, a full cutscene. Cade's there, leaning against the table, flipping his knife, and Ikora comes up like, Cade, you have sent six guardians to their deaths this week. And he's just like, Ikora, I'm bored. <laughs> no, I want to go just be out like, of the tower. Yeah, if you let me go, that wouldn't happen. This is what yeah. happens, Ikora. <laughs> oh, I can totally picture that. And Zavala's just, like, shaking his head. <laughs> but Zavala's, like, secretly betting with Cade. It's like, send a Titan, I bet he'll live. And Cade's like, uh huh, we'll see. Well, Cade and Ikora have bets all the time. Yeah. <laughs> Which I find hilarious. I want more of that in the story. So, so this unknown fallen house turns out to be House Exile, the house we probably know the least about. Uh, our first introduction to House Exile is here, although later the House of Wolves will push deep into the Hive territory on the moon. We know that House Exile sort of lives like on the fringes of the Hive. They're they're an outcast house. They're sort of cobbled together on the moon because theoretically nobody went there. <laughs> like if you're going to pick a spot, pick a spot where no guardians go since you're likely to get your head blown up otherwise. And then we just go there and do it anyway. So. And they don't have um, – I don't think they have any – like house sigil on their capes or anything. So it makes sense that at this point, they're sort of unknown fallen house to us. I'm pretty sure the vandals don't have any pattern. It's just green. So, yeah. Yeah, it's just, yeah, like it's just green. 
so it kind of makes sense then that they're not a known fallen house at all because we would we would see them and not be able to identify who they were if we hadn't really encountered them before and technically the moon should be quarantined so there shouldn't be anybody there anyway uh but yeah i mean there's a they do have some structure we learn in house of wolves that there are there is some structure to house exile uh they they definitely have a baron who we end up killing uh but yeah i mean they're they're pretty pretty low low quality house sadly i wonder what shiro knows about them since he seems to know everything about all the fallen but not major players right now uh they ambush us uh ghost gives us that line like oh we're being hunted and it's like they said a servitor and a bunch of dregs after us and some inviso vandals but uh clear they couldn't kill the first guy what made them think they could kill us but anyway uh he was looking for the remains of an old colony base not too far off maybe he's still there uh at this point, we don't know it yet, but we're retracing Eris's steps. Uh, looks like he set up camp here. Let's see what he left behind. And then, yeah, you just got to protect a ghost while he scans the computer. Then we had this great line. Ah, his notes. They're all about a place called the Temple of Crota. It's not far from here. Sounds like a death trap. Uh, first things first. Who called it the Temple of Crota? So... Again, this is a super nitpicky thing, but whatever. I've had people send me messages saying I don't nitpick enough anymore. Uh, <laughs> the temp that the name, the Temple of Crota, comes from Eris and her fire team. She literally says, "We called it a temple where we first saw Crota." So, but what if she's talking about Amar Imbrium when they first saw Crota? I guess that's possible. That's the only way it makes sense, right? Yeah. Otherwise, yeah, it's... it's because no. at this point, she's still in there. Right. <laughs> so she couldn't have come out and told this guy, hey, you're at the Temple of Crota, because she's still <laughs> trapped in the Temple of Crota. So, but that's true. Yeah, it could be a, a Mare Imbrium reference that they call it the Temple of Crota. Uh, and there's actually, yeah, there's a, a bit that is about that concerning Mare Imbrium, but... But again, sound sounds like a death trap. First of all, <laughs> it's not it's not far from here. Why do we need this guy's notes to tell us that? If this all happened at Mare Imbrium, we know exactly where the temple of Crota Yeah, is. well, totally. Yeah, the whole they're all about a place called as if Ghost has never heard of it. Well, yeah, if it was named that back then, then he would just be like, "Oh, he's over at the Temple of Crota." <laughs> we know what no, that is because yeah, we no saw location. it. Yeah. <laughs> Instead of this is weird. What is this place? So yeah, it doesn't hold up either way. Also sounds like a death trap. In this it's, case, it is literally a death trap. It is, <laughs> it is where hundreds of guardians were killed. Uh, so obviously let's go there. Mm-hmm. Again, just so we're clear here, we have now flown to a quarantined satellite, our moon, which is the stronghold of an ancient force that slaughtered thousands of guardians who we found on the moon. So we're going to go to their house. Let's knock on the door. And knock on the, we're going to crawl into the hornet's nest right here. 
and this leads us to probably one of the second or third most memorable lines in all of Vanilla Destiny. Uh, so we have this, there's nothing left, not even the light. Where's his ghost? Uh, <laughs> which you inside the creepy death temple. Where else? <laughs> Duh. Uh, and they, we've woken the hive, which is probably one you of didn't, the, Yeah, you didn't yell that enough, but you don't have to. We've woken the hive! <laughs> <laughs> Again, year one guardian is Dinklebot screaming this into one. <laughs> Your two guardian is Nolan bot talking about like you just opened the kennel door for a bunch of puppies. We've opened the hive. Yeah. He's almost like, like asking ooh. a question. Have we just, did we do something bad? Like every, when I first heard that in his voice, I imagined the gates open and like kids <laughs> come running out like, oh, we've woken the hive. Like the thrall come out like shyly forward and you're like, come on, it's okay. Come on. You can come and rip me. It's okay. Like, you're like, are you you sure? You like individually wrapped light candies that you give to them? (laughs) We've woken the hive. Oh. Oh. They have the little Zs over their heads like they just woke up. Oh, they're sleepy. Yes. (laughs) So cute. Uh, So I said, this the term woken has been widely discussed in our fan chat. Uh, technically it's an inaccurate term used by ghost as clearly the hive were already awake when they killed the guardian in front of the door that we just talked about. Uh, <laughs> that dude didn't have like a stroke and pass out right there. Like the hive killed him. Uh, also, I like the idea that the hive are woke, but, uh, <laughs> <laughs> So the proposed series of events is the unknown guardian approaches the door. The hive open the door from the inside. Uh, they kill him and take his ghost. We arrive shortly thereafter. The hive reopen the door and attempt to kill us. Then the hive have a bad day because we murder all of them. <laughs> but it's also important to remember when we're discussing the Slack chat and before it's important. Ghost never scans the door. To the temple of crota he only scans the guardian that door mm. is opened from the inside yeah so we didn't wake them up like they were they were there waiting for us they just killed a guardian and took his ghost and i'm sure the second they sensed another one outside they figured they're just going to do the exact same thing yeah, also who was this lame guardian that was weaker than our like level three self I don't. This guardian was like the chump of guardians, unfortunately. <laughs> yeah, so Cade really was like, this guy's not going to cut it. Go to the moon. Where did this guy even get it? Where is this guy's ship? Where did he even get a ship? How did he get yeah. to the moon? <laughs> Maybe he was rezzed in like the city and he just crawled up to the tower in like an elevator or something. And Cade's like, <laughs> you should go to the moon. I'm this is temple. Oh my goodness. <laughs> Important Maybe... mission, man. Maybe he was rezzed right there. He like got res and be like, hey, let's go do stuff. And then the hive come out and just kill him. <laughs> he didn't make it like two steps. He didn't even have his Kvostov yet. <laughs> right. He's totally he unarmed. No, no grenades. He just opened the door with no weapons. Does he have Clearly any he died because he had no double jump. He had no double jump, no super, no grenade. Weak. Just good work. Good go- work. Did he even know they were bad? He's like, oh, I better find some civilization to get started as a guardian. A door. 
But no, but <laughs> he ghost must... Was an idiot. Like, here's yeah. the tower. Yeah, exactly. That's what I was just thinking. It was like, who's this dumb ghost that would res him right there? And I mean, there's no mirrors or anything, so he'd see the throne running up and be like, fellow guardians! <laughs> but he did... He reclaimed, he reclaimed the accelerator, which means he fought right. off House Exile. Yeah. So he's clearly somewhat capable. Right. But is House Exile somewhat capable? I, I mean, that's a that's a good question, I suppose. Like, House Exile's, like, sitting around picking their ears, and this guy just walks in and punches them all in the back of the head where they're not paying attention. I reclaimed it! Just throw a rock at, at a drag while it's trying to throw a lightning grenade. It drops it at its feet, and it just blows them all up. I love I doing like, that to I the wish... drags. You shoot them in just before they throw the grenade at you, and they just drop it at their feet. Yep. It's the best thing. <laughs> I wish the movie still had low gravity because I like the idea that this guy just marched in and started grabbing the fallen and throwing them like 500 yards off the surface of the moon because there's no gravity there or low gravity there, I should say. Sorry. Uh, anyway, so yeah, we bust in. This is a big spot for doing missions before Siege of the Warmind, which we'll talk about later because you could just murder tons and tons of hive as they poured out the door. I had my first triple Nova bomb here with a obsidian mind. <laughs> go inside kill the hive go inside uh the ghost is dead but i can still read some of its memories the hive are raising an army here preparing to invade earth we need to stop them uh again in vanilla destiny this was an ominous thing but it didn't lead to anything but once the dark below was released this line took on a huge new significance uh where that yeah the highs are raving raising an army in the moon and they're the dark blow is legit them invading the earth so it, it took a while for this line to pay off but it eventually did now when you play it in 2.0 you can follow this path directly it leads right right into the dark blow content so the wizard you kill here is named varrock earspawn uh, spelled V-U-R-O-K, although it is widely believed that she is the original version of Varrock, the Bride of Alakul, the Dark Blade, uh, given the presentations at the temple and then later descriptions by Eris Morn. Uh, it's worth on Varrock, the Bride of Alakul, is V-E-R-O-K, and this wizard is V-U-R-O-K. Uh, and we do not find out this information until way, way, way into the Taken King in the Sunless Cell Strike. And even then, uh, there's a thir only a 33% chance you will hear this dialogue uh, from Eris. <laughs> but then it's like, if this is Varak, she should be way more powerful than our Guardian can handle at this point, right? Yes. <laughs> like, <laughs> the Bride of Alakul, who thought himself strong enough to challenge Oryx probably not a weak little wizard that a level 3 guardian could handle and we know that Varrock's thralls killed Vel Tarlo in that very spot yeah yeah which makes sense like so if you you know you put the first crota fire team and we, again we went to the whole first crota fire team we did a whole episode on them but they go to that moon base then they approach the temple in this very area. The ground cracks apart. They're ambushed by 
who knows, tons and tons and tons of thrall, presumably. The temple door opens, more thrall come out, Varrock is there controlling them all. That's how Veltarlo dies. Uh, the stalwart so, heart of the first Crotifier team. Give me a break. How does a defender titan <laughs> die against a bunch of thrall? <laughs> he didn't have Helm of Saint-14, that's for he sure. He didn't have Helm of anything. <laughs> <laughs> oh, he was an Iron Lord, no helmet. <laughs> no, but this is another I was having this conversation earlier. Vel Tarlo, member of the Pilgrim Guard. Pilgrim Guard, Order of Titans, very devoted to guiding refugees into the city. Why was a member of the Pilgrim Guard on the frigging moon with the first Proto Fire team? Talk about being out of your element. That's why I died. Yeah. No well, ridiculous. Anyway. <laughs> He gives a lot of Titans a bad name. I do not like Veltarlo much. Uh, so that dialogue you, you think? get... Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the dialogue you get in the Sunless Cell is... Uh, Eris says, The wizard Varrock was his, his being the Darkblade's mate. Uh, he slew a legion of Thrall in her name, marched on the king's throne at the head of an army built on hate and pain. Later... Again, a 33% chance that you'll hear this line at the end of the Sunless Cell Strike. Eris says, A pretender to the crown is dead. Know this, Guardian. Alakul was there when we went down into the pit. What? Well, so the... Well, we don't we don't know... Yeah, I don't know. How did Alakul go from being at the Temple of Crota to a prisoner on the Dreadnought? Yeah. Why, yeah, I mean, that, that would, Why is Varrock there and not Alakul? It makes... Yeah, no, that just makes no sense because... <sighs> okay. Can you imagine... Can you... Oh, but how awesome would that be if, like, this is becomes, like, a daily heroic mission? The doors to the temple open and some of a bunch Alakul. of thralls. Alakul comes running out at you. <laughs> that would be terrifying. <laughs> but awesome. Do we have... Oh, well, that's a whole rabbit hole. What's that? Well, do we know when ostensibly Alakul was put in that prison cell? Like, if he was on the moon, then the Dreadnought got here, and there's that ship that brought uh, Irhalak and Irhanuk to Crota's funeral. Did he ride back on that ship with them and then tried to assault Oryx before we did? And so he just got put in that cell? Like... Oh, he was. Oh, interesting. That's possible. Yeah, no, we don't know when he was when he was put in there. Yeah, but I mean, like the dreadnought just got at that point. The dreadnought had just got into our solar system, so it's not like he's been in there forever. He was already here. So, like, all of that just happened right before we take him out. <laughs> also, I mean, oh, I don't know. Why did the Dark Blade rise against Oryx? The Wizard Varrock was this is so this is a complete non-answer by Eris, by the way. <laughs> Ghost asks why Alakul rose against Oryx, and Eris just gives us this thing about Varrock. Yeah. <laughs> so Yeah, but piecing that time together, like so we we kill Varrock, and that makes Alakul mad enough to attack Oryx? I don't know. Yeah, I don't. I don't know how all this fits together. 
it's it's so vague. We we would need to know sort of. We need a better idea of the timeline about when about Alakul uh, and, and when he ended up in jail. Yeah, and if Alakul was powerful enough to challenge Oryx, was he letting us kill Kuroda so that Oryx would be weakened? Oh, that's because he would have been like there. But if that's the case, why did Alakul? let Toland live. That seems like a really that seems like a really convoluted plan. Like yeah. there's, a, there's a fire team breaking in to kill Crota and Alakul wants that to happen so he can challenge Oryx, but instead murders all of Eris's fire team, waits until she escapes, comes and finds us. We go through all this rigmarole, put together our team, go down there. Then we kill Crota, and that's Alakul's master plan, and then <laughs> rises against Oryx only to get tossed in jail. And, and then we go we... kill him anyway. And yeah, and I guess. Alakul, or did we? Alakul... If Alakul's not at Crota's funeral, and Alakul isn't powerful enough to have his own throne world, so he is dead, or he is powerful enough and he's not actually dead. Well, the either way, the dreadnought wouldn't be his throne world. So we didn't we killed him outside his throne. If he has one. If he has one, I have to imagine Allah cool the dark blade is an ascendant hive. Well, then he's alive somewhere. We no, have to we... kill him twice. In the story. Well, what's I guess that's true. What's the canon version of that strike? We've talked about that before too. That's true. I think <laughs> the one with the knights is the canon version. Yeah. The sword mission. Yeah. Yes. Because that's more tied into the story of it. I mean... And it makes sense being the Warden Knights guarding him. Right. Otherwise, them he's being just present a little makes box to run sense. around in. Yeah. It, this is only reminding me of Outbreak <laughs> Prime. <laughs> Please return and kill the guy you killed for me to even give you this quest in the first place. Three times. Oh, really? <laughs> Yeah. How fun. <laughs> I'm not up to that yet. <laughs> uh, all right. So this is sort of this great foreshadowing, uh, all these things that have just happened. Again, this all happens in Vanilla Destiny. Uh, and this leads to two. We have There's two things we have not talked about. We've talked about the World's Grave and the Chamber of Night, both of which are optional missions now, I guess. You can completely skip them if you want. But they're really important. Uh and they're referenced much later in, in the story. So that's real quick. Uh, there's got to be a way to find out what the hive are planning. The ghosts we recovered found a library in their fortress called the world's grave. It's said to hold everything they know of earth. If you can get us down there, I'll steal all I can. That's the opening to the world's grave. That ghost, because in vanilla, this immediately preceded. uh, the dark within that ghost being the one we just rescued from the temple of Crota. How did this ghost find the library in the fortress? He literally did not make it past that door. <laughs> like you, the door opens and you can see the ghost in the back of the room. He right. didn't get anywhere near the world's grave. Uh, so I have an idea that maybe the little pedestal they stick him on is connected to the hive network, which is technically possible. But why would they do that? 
maybe that maybe it's like a maybe that's like a a world's grave thing and it sucks all the information out of the ghost i don't know and it's like a two-way street but but if that's the case why do we have to go all the way down to the world's grave when we could just go back to that pedestal yeah we just stick our ghost on that thing yeah i don't know me either uh <clears throat> so then you the world's grave mission ends with uh, okay i've got it all there's unbelievable stuff in here the hive have seen thousands of worlds taken by the darkness and they've been seeding earth for centuries waiting for their gods to return i'll warn the city let's get out of here uh centuries again centuries centuries again they haven't been on earth in centuries but they've been seeding the earth for centuries in Ghost Defense, he finds out this information after the fact. But if they had been seeding the earth for centuries, how has nobody noticed until we opened that door? <laughs> it just doesn't seem plausible. Uh, and the World's Grave, of course, is quite famously referenced in the Taken King mission regicide when you scan the statues and Ghost oh, mentions yeah. that there's no mention of Nocris in the World's Grave. So that the Nocris mystery still still ongoing. We have no idea who Nocris is. It doesn't seem like we're going to know anytime soon. Nope. Uh, spoilers, Saladin is Nocris. Oh. <laughs> oh my Ephrodite. Ephrodite is Nocris. Yeah, Saladin's clearly Teox. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> uh. So, like I said, we haven't talked about the Chamber of Night, the World's Grave. We just did just talk about the World's Grave a bit. Uh, there's that description of the World's Grave. At long last, we have a chance to learn the Hive's ultimate goals. The Cryptarchs are in a frenzy working day and night to decipher what you stole from the World's Grave. Ikora Ray. Uh, note, a chance to learn the Hive's ultimate goals after this is done. We In Vanilla Destiny, we do not encounter the Hive ever again. We fly <laughs> to Venus and deal with the Vex and the Cabal and that whole shenanigans storyline. This ultimate gold thing never comes back until the Dark Below launches. Which and is we especially have, weird because it's not like the Vanguard sends us to Venus. To Venus, We get like a text message from a cute girl who's like, hey, come meet me on Venus. And we just follow it. Yeah, we just go. Yeah, like whatever. Ishtar region. Sure. Wait, do we do we even get a message or do we just stalk her? No, because she appears. Cause, so Because the ghost turns around and goes like, I tracked where that's from or whatever. Yeah, we get a message. Yeah, because. Okay. Because in Chamber of Night, I believe, it's the Exocenter says, I know what you're about to do. Go down and face the hive. Yeah. Uh, and come find me when you're done. That's right. Yeah. To which we say, sure, I'm just going to go down and murder all these hive and no bad thing will happen to me. And then I'm just going to come find you on Venus. Where also no one has been in centuries. But and Guardians full of murderous robots. But Guardians had devices that could track the Vex. Yeah. So Duh. maybe we're not the first ones there, even though our ghost is apparently an idiot. Uh, <laughs> but by this point, we already knew that. Yes. And also, we'll, so we'll talk more about Chamber of Night. Uh, Chamber of Night is hugely significant to the Dark Below and to the Taken King. Uh, so, 
uh, and especially the ritual of sacrifice. But the Chamber of Night, again, another quote from my core array, your discovery is perhaps the greatest of our time. If the hive were able to infect the traveler through this long lost shard of its battered shell, Ulantan's theory may be true. All light remains connected across space and time. We cannot let our enemies use this power against us. So the original Chamber of Night mission has us going there to fight the Siphon Witches yeah. uh, who are using a shard of the Traveler to drain the Traveler of his light, uh, which is a totally hive thing to do. And we stop them. The shard vanishes. Who knows where that goes? Uh, <laughs> Ghost gave it to <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> most likely. Sp- oh, I can't wait to talk about Zer during Urn of Sacrifice. Jeez, what a mess that is. Uh <laughs> So that's our first encounter, the Chamber of Night, but we'll be back there many times, and it becomes very significant in the Dark Below. We've talked about this in the past. I keep saying that, but we have. Uh, again, my hypothesis that the Chamber of Night is where the first Code of Fire team was actually headed. They weren't They weren't headed down into the stills until much later, and not all of them made it there. And only two of them made it through the keyhole and into the Oversoul throne. And only because Toland dragged Ariana's husk there. <laughs> so, but anyway, all of this leads us to the Dark Below, which is the first major expansion for Destiny. I remember the hype quite well. Uh, oh yeah, the cutscene with the green fire and Crota with his sword. Uh, this was a big deal. That was my dog sneezing in the background. <laughs> 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 oh, the Dark Below was a was a huge deal. Um and for me, like personally, it was sort of like watching um streamers doing Crota's End was sort of the, my first foray into like the overall Destiny community. Before that I'd basically just played this as a solo game and then I was like, Oh, there's all these people doing all these things. This is interesting. Okay. So yeah, Dark Below, good stuff. Yeah, it was a bit like all the mystique about Eris and Crota and all the rush to be like, did we, has this been telegraphed? Like, are there parts of this story that we already know? And there is, and we've included this next part under the dark below, because this is where it appears now. Yeah. But in, in original vanilla destiny, this was one of the early moon missions. And it was like this big teaser that we didn't even realize was coming and all of a sudden we're like whoa like this is going to be crazy so let's jump into the the dark below here a bit uh and i love this line we went to the moon seeking vengeance but it found us first eris morn so there's some quotes here from eris uh the Shattered One once referred to crota as the god holding domain and a threshold between our world and theirs He said he deciphered the means by which the hive called to him. From all that I've seen, I now know he was right. Uh, Eris Morn. Some other quotes here. I watched as Crota's soul rose from the abyss, his sword cracking the moon's surface with every stroke and countless guardians losing their light to his wrath. We tried once to hunt him, gave up all we were to challenge the ones that bow in his name hoping to deny him his power. One by one we failed, but I've kept watch, seeking vengeance for all I've lost. Uh, Let's break these first three down real quick. 
Uh, and that first quote, the shattered one, is obviously Toland. Uh, and again, now we have this lead into this guy, Toland, who we know from the lore to be sort of this like weird eclectic dude, but turns out Toland knew everything that is about to happen. He, Toland has foreseen like every encounter with the hive. He knows how they all play out. He's a major player. It's no secret that I am a huge Toland fan. He's probably one of my favorite characters, if not my most favorite uh, next to Tevis Larson in the lore. And as we go into the dark below, we're going to learn a lot more about Toland and how he basically called this play by play. He he knew what was happening. How he knew all that, we have no idea still, but he knew it. <laughs> and just speaking of Toland, like, because he's pretty cool and he knows all this stuff and he's very powerful. Isn't he one of the few Guardians we know, like, we know in the lore who has more than one subclass? Correct. Because he is a sun singer and a void walker. Yeah. So when you're doing in uh, Taken King, they introduce those subclass specific quests. Let me find it. Uh, I'll find the actual text. There's two of them are based around Toland's quotes. And in one, he talks about his connection to the void and what it means to wield that power. And in another, he talks about what it feels like to act basically be in radiance and walk on like the surface of the sun and feel a cool breeze because you burn so hot as a solar warlock that everything else seems like lukewarm by comparison. Yeah. I have the actual text if you want to briefly read it. Yeah. The solar wind text. Yeah, so uh, this is from Complete the Path, and they're both from his journal. And one says, I've left searing footprints on the dark side of the moon. I have stood on the spires of Mercury, chilled by the solar wind. I have stretched my wings, and I have flown. That is what is possible when you understand the sun's song. So he's very definitely a sun singer. But then he has, uh, the void is not the darkness. The darkness is what dar- darkness is what it is. The void energy is like all things of this universe. It is light seen through a prism, a fundamental force, the vacuum between the stars, the absence of everything else. Just try explaining that to someone who has never walked the void. So he's definitely walked the void as well. Yes. So he's, I think that, yeah, that was interesting that one of the few confirmed with more than one, because that's, I don't know, that seems special for us that we can switch. Yeah, it certainly. Know, to, oh, go ahead. I was gonna say we we also learned that Felwinter did the same thing. Yes, mm. it's a warlock thing yeah. apparently. Yeah. Well, I mean, they study it, so it makes sense that they don't they discover new ways to use it before other other classes would. Because it's a warlock thing to be studying the light and how to use it. And Felwinter was Voidwalker Stormcaller. Uh, Sunsinger. 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 Yeah. So. Interesting. Well, at, this, at this point, there was only two. There was only that's true. those two. So, well, but I there's mean, references to Stormcallers, though, in the Iron Lords. Right. Stuff. Well, yeah, Teemer was a Teamer. was a Stormcaller. Yeah. I mean, for Toland, though, like, within the context of the Dark Below time, time frame, as far as us playing the game, yes. like, he yeah. was able to use all the subclasses. Yes. So, I don't know. That's kind of cool. Yeah, I mean, I love it. I love, I love Tolan. One of the big things I was hoping for in Rise of Iron was to learn the relationship between 
the Iron Lords and Saladin and people like Toland and Osiris uh, and Saint-14 because they all existed at the same time. Yeah. Uh, they all fought at six fronts uh, and a bunch of them were there at at least Saladin was there at Twilight Gap. So it's not unlikely that the Iron Lords interacted with people like Toland or interacted with people like a meeting. Can you imagine like a meeting between Felwinter and Toland must have been amazing just in what they knew and what they experienced and what secrets they could have shared with each other mm -hmm. um, or Osiris being present. And, you know, the Iron Lords believing themselves to be so powerful and so strong and so capable. And then to see somebody like Osiris on the battlefield, you'd be like, what even am I like? I'm an amateur <laughs> compared to this guy. Uh, and sort of like those, those, you know, again, the Iron Lords, like, will fight for the people, will be brave, like, will be, will, will stand up for humanity. But we learn that Saint-14 is, like, one of the most beloved guardians by the people of all time. So how did the Iron Lords not know of Saint-14 and everything Saint-14 did? Or why would someone like Saint-14 not be an Iron Lord? Yeah. Osiris. <clears throat> well, or the Iron Lords aren't quite as honorable as we've been led to believe. Yeah, well, that's a whole other thing that I can't wait to talk about. But. <laughs> and I, I think I have a note coming up here quite shortly about that. Uh, <clears throat> anyway, so we have this comment by Eris. I watched as Crota's soul rose from the abyss, his sword cracking the moon's surface with every stroke and countless guardians losing their light to his wrath. So this kind of confirms that Eris was at Mare Imbrium. Because this accounting of Crota rising from the abyss uh, and just laying waste to guardians on the surface of the moon, that's Mare Imbrium. There's no other encounter we have with Crota where he just sort of goes crazy like this. Uh, why he was hitting the surface of the moon with his sword, I don't know, but this is Crota we're talking <laughs> about. Because so. he was an angry child. Yeah, it just seemed like he was huge and swinging wildly, and he happened to hit the ground that Guardians were standing. Like, it'd be funny if, like, Crota killed a bunch of Guardians by accident. Like, because <laughs> uh, he was throwing a tantrum. Uh, but he was, like, a, he was a real horror. And so this puts this puts Eris at Mare Imbrium along with Ariana 3. Uh this line, uh, but I've kept watch, seeking vengeance for all I've lost, uh, unshockingly similar to Lord Saladin. <laughs> those, <laughs> those words could have been said by Lord Saladin. They might have been said by Lord Saladin. <laughs> uh, same thing, one by one we failed. So same thing happened with the Iron Lords. Uh, they said that it wasn't Crota that killed them, it was Rasputin. And there's this quote, this is from the grimoire from The Rise of Crota. Uh, what we face on the moon now looks to take Earth, and none will survive if they succeed. First, Crota's sworn blades will rise. Then every disciple who haunts these worlds in Crota's name will seek to overrun the Earth. If they raise Crota here, we could lose everything. Go to the Cosmodrome and meet this invasion head on. Find the fist leading the charge and break him, then the others, or Crota will reclaim the Earth for his king and all light beware. So this is the rise of Crota Grimoire, and 
it's out of sync because it's introduced in vanilla. It's out of sync with the current 2.0 version of this quest, right? Uh, yeah. Which is the very next mission we'll talk about. Also, I if you'd never played this, if you didn't play the Dark Below in year one, it really introduced these world events, and that was the Sworn Blades of Crota. Uh, and this was a world events that happened all across the Cosmodrome, similar to where the Taken appear now where the wolves used to appear first, it was the blades of Crota appearing and they were beastly back in the day. <laughs> they were, they were not something you messed around with. Uh, once you were high enough light level, and this is, I mean, at the time it was really funny because at the time it's controversial because these are starting zones where like level one and two guardians are running around for the first time and this like level twenty blade of Crota comes charging at them with one a sword and just one yeah just wrecks them. Uh, yeah, it could be a little rude awakening. So uh, I have a little blurb on the blades of Crota down below. Uh, it's the same thing, but we also just talking about it here since we have them. So uh, that was face the blades, let them know your light will never fear the edge of their jagged bone. And this also is something that was that we'll also talk about in this next mission. This introduces a raid mechanic prior to the raid. So you learn about this thing before you have to actually use it in the raid, which I think is really cool. That happens again in the Taken King. It happens in House of Wolves concerning the Prison of Elders. Uh, it does not happen in Rise of Iron, where we have a very brand new mechanic that is never telegraphed to us at all. <laughs> So now this is where this mission appears. This is the Sword of Crota. Uh, in year one, this happened during the moon cycle, which is the second phase of the story. In 2.0, this, this now becomes the first mission of the Dark Below. Uh, so we have a quote here from Ghost. Uh, Eris Morn has a reputation, strange, driven, even disturbing, but she's been right more times than she's been wrong. Taking down a hive champion like the fist can only be good for the city. So again, in year one, we've already done this. Uh, but in year two, this happens kind of concurrently with the fist of Crota mission. So that's why there's mentions of the fist, even though we have not even come close to encountering that yet. In fact, and in year one, it wasn't even a thing. Or in Vanilla Destiny, it wasn't even a thing. Uh, and a lot of hoopla is made in this mission, but we don't understand the significance until the Dark Blow actually drops. Uh, so this mission here, infiltrate the Hive Fortress and destroy the legendary Sword of Crota. Uh, and you have a note here, Gavel, about the first time we use a sword in Destiny. Oh, man, yeah. <clears throat> Never forget. Because <laughs> um, <laughs> this was instantly my favorite mission in the game, <clears throat> and and I just I replayed it over and over again just so I could jump around and and swing that sword. It's pretty fun. It's a good mission. Yeah. So this is Rahul. Long ago, the moon fell to Crota. He will. Oh, man, I love some of this dialogue. Oof. <laughs> He wielded a sword so dark it drained whatever light it touched. Now Crota sleeps, but the sword does not. 
The warlocks believe the sword is in a chamber guarded by the swarm princes. You face them and steal the sword. We can see that it is never wielded again. Uh, that's pre-mission dialogue. Again, in Vanilla Destiny, no idea who Crota is. No concept of the importance of this particular thing that we're about to use. In 2.0, it's a little bit different. Also, why does Rahul care? That's a great question, right? Uh, I guess maybe because of Mare Imbrium, but yeah, why does Rahul care about the Sword of Crota? I don't. I don't. Why is the Sword of Crota just floating one story down? to a random cave entrance on the moon and not with Crota himself. Uh, we'll talk about that in a minute. Now, uh, the only way to destroy the sword is to destroy its makers, the swarm princes. So here we go. We know the swarm princes did not make Crota's sword because we know from the books of sorrow that the only thing given to Crota by Oryx is his sword. Uh, so, Maybe this is a fake sword. The Swarm Princes are made in the hopes that Crota will return. But there's no way this can be the actual sword of Crota. One of them is said to guard a ritual site near the Hellmouth. We'll challenge him first. Uh, this is Banak, Ur-Prince. And this is another reference to the Worm Gods. Early, very early on in Destiny. That Worm God being Ur. Uh, this is a dude that runs out of the cave at you. And then you probably kill him. <laughs> yeah, what an idiot. Yeah, he's an idiot. He does nothing. He's the Jon Snow of the Hive. I guess that's knows nothing. Whatever, he does nothing. <laughs> uh, then we get some of the best dialogue in the game from Ghost. Uh, I don't think I've played this mission post-Dinklebot. Uh, so I haven't heard the Nolan-Bot version of these, some of these lines. Uh not to unsettle you, but I'm tracking the sword by the light of the guardians. It's killed. It's further below. Uh, what does that mean? I don't know. How can <clears throat> like it's it's so like sure this is a thing ghosts can do because the story calls for it. <laughs> like, well, it's like okay, here's a sword that was so dark it drained the light. Of all the guardians that touched Emir Imbrium, and it's just sitting here, and all of that light from those guardians is still in it, even though the hive consume light and tithe it to those above them. They've just left this there? Like, what? Yeah. Stop dropping things. Sorry. I, thought <laughs> <you know. laughs> I was totally kidding. Are you so trying to quietly scroll the wheel and you dropped it instead? I'm trying to quietly scroll the wheel, so I'm using the arm of my chair as a mouse pad, and it's not very wide. <laughs> <laughs> so are we saying that this sword is Crota's sword, right? Well, that's what the mission says. Right, okay, okay. okay. So so that light that we talked that you talked about that, that was tithed up, I mean, yeah, some of it would be retained by Crota because he doesn't tithe all of it up, right? He keeps some for himself. Why didn't he take himself. it with him when he went to go take his nap? Well, I don't, I don't know, but... I mean... And then also in that regard, I mean, if the Swarm Princes made it for Oryx to give to Crota, could that be why it's, I'm just trying to think of, of trying to fill the, fill the holes. 
Well, they couldn't. I mean, they couldn't have... They couldn't have made the sword, because we know this sword was given to Crota by Oryx. Right, where'd Oryx get it? Oryx probably made it himself. Well, how do we don't know that, though? I mean, he could have he could have outsourced. We don't know where Willbreaker comes from, either. He could have outsourced it, been like, hey, dudes, I need this sword hey. for my kid. It doesn't have to be that good or anything, but just make me something I can give to him so he shuts up. So he he hires these, like, level 14 swarm princes to make this thing? <laughs> sure. <laughs> that's weird I, I mean i don't know i'm just like i said i'm just trying to trying to think but, of something. but these swarm princes when they appear in the story are red which makes them minions of they're part of oryx's i mean they're part of crota's brood not oryx's because oryx's brood is yellow so they work for crota okay but if crota had just been born how did how could they work for crota to make a sword before he's born, to give it to him when he's born. I mean, I guess Crota just had more than one sword. I mean, I guess so. I mean, they could have. He could have been. You know, they could have had to go watch sword collector. Daddy's little boy. You know, they could have worked for Oryx and been like, "Okay, yeah, my son needs some help. Go, go help him out." So here, they're yours now. <laughs> and they just turn red. Yeah. I mean, yeah, there I mean, could yeah. be more swords. It's just. Like, honestly, what are our sources for the courts on this mission? Rahul and our ghost. <laughs> Do we really trust these sources? No, <laughs> is my question. <laughs> like, that's all I'm saying. Like, we're, we're comparing what we see in-game to the word of Rahul, our trustworthy and very lore-wise cryptarch. He is, man... Fallen, we're at the collapse. Shut up, Rahul. <laughs> <laughs> I just want to kick him into a pit. Yes. Uh, so yeah, I mean, this this mission opens with ghosts literally saying, "I've been combing the Cryptarch's records for anything on the Temple of Crota." Uh, but again, why would Rahul be the cryptarch in charge of the Temple of Crota? I don't. So this takes us into this section of the the moon called the Gatehouse. And again, why is the sword just randomly floating in the Gatehouse if this is Crota, son of Oryx? <laughs> This is his blade. Like we know his, how his most it. important relic. Is yeah, just chilling here, less protected than Fogoth. Yeah. Well, then we get this great line. We get a couple of great lines from Ghost, right? So like, the sword is close. I can feel its power. Okay, sure, whatever. And then go grab the sword. That should lure them out. Grab it's the sword like, that drains light. Yes, grab the guardian slaying light draining sword. That should aggravate the people who made the sword to come to us. Like, <laughs> what, I don't know why you would ever believe Ghost when he said nothing bad will happen if you grab this ancient <laughs> dark weapon. Speaking of dark, the second you grab the stupid sword, Ghost says that one of the worst lines in all destiny, careful, its power is dark. <laughs> and it's just like, uh, what? Sure. I don't know what they sound like. I can't remember what they sounded like in the original Dinklebot, but they sound really funny in the new one. Because I've it had sounds... to play these these missions doing my alts, 
And I've only uh, had them since the Taken King. So, <laughs> so he sounds so chill about it. <laughs> uh, like he's like, not to unsettle you, but I'm tracking the sword by the light of the guardians it's killed. It's further below. <laughs> You're like, oh okay, that's cool. We're just chilling in the hellmouth. Don't mind us. Cool, yeah. Floating in the gay house. Yeah. Uh, well, so this is so this mission wraps up. So we, the the three princes, uh, Garuk, Jol Prince, Darkor, Yule Prince, and Merok, Ear Prince. Uh, once they're dead, the sword just vanishes into thin air, apparently. Uh, and Ghost said, "The sword is gone." They say that was one of the most powerful weapons the Hive ever wielded against us. The Cryptarchs won't believe this. <laughs> Nor should we. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I don't know. I put. I made this note here. Like, does the possibly this is just like a physical manifestation of Crota's sword in our dimension and not the actual sword? <laughs> Crota's sword has its own throne world. I because mean, it he's must. Got his sword. Yeah, he has his sword. He uses it against us. Maybe he like he's like sneaking off and he's like, I'm gonna leave a fake sword. I don't think it's my sword. It's like a really low one. He just it's puts like it the, down. The Fisher it's Price version. It's got wiffle ball. It's it's Crota's sword, sword, do not touch. <laughs> There's like a picture of his face sideways. Crota's sword, do not touch. Yeah. And then you know, the the Cryptarch sees that and he's like, Oh <gasps> Crota's sword, what Guardian, Guardian <laughs> It's an elaborate prank by Crota on the Cryptarchs. <laughs> Just a prank, bro. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. So the grimoire here reads The Swarm Princes are dead. The sword of Crota is gone. Though many still believe Crota's return is inevitable, that thousands of weapons will be forged in his name. I have faith that we are now one step closer to ending the hive's reign over the moon. Master Rahul. Dear Master Rahul, <laughs> we were not here to end the hive's reign over the moon. We were here to prevent them from invading the earth. <laughs> uh, and the long, the long tale here, this mission means nothing. It has no effect on anything that happens. <laughs> it really doesn't. Like, the blades still appear. Omnigul makes, spawns a ton of hive under the Cosmodrome. Crota rises like it's madness. Uh, the Blades of Crota, we talked about that. So this opens up the quest, The Rise of Crota. So in the dark below, this is the first quest you actually get. Uh, and it's composed of three parts. Uh, but in The Taken King, this quest is actually unavailable and replaced with the full storyline that is called The Dark Below. So we have this rise of Crota. Guardian, I need your help. Crota will return and destroy this world if we do not stop him. So the rise of Crota mission line was made up of The Fist of Crota, Siege of the Warmind, and The Wakening, which composed the first big half of the dark below. Uh, it's funny looking at it now, if you look at the rise of iron, like, Oh, the rise of iron is only like five story missions. It's like, Oh, well, <laughs> the dark below is four or five. And then the raid. Uh, 
Yeah. Hey, that's nostalgia, right? You're just taking. <laughs> hey, we just took this template and reapplied it to something else. <clears throat> so anyway, Fist of Crota, uh, our boy Sardon. This, I played this mission so many times for farming purposes, for any number of reasons. Uh, this is where I, it first got hammered into my head that Eris has no idea what she's talking about. A lot of the dialogue we're going to hear moving forward is when Eris's story really begins to unravel and she reveals herself to be a very unreliable narrator and that more may have happened to her that affected her mind and memory than we are giving the story credit for, but she just can't be trusted. Uh, we talked about it in the first Crota episode. We talked about it. We talked with Morla. We'll talk about a little bit more here. Some of these things just don't line up. So this is the first mission, uh, the fist of Crota. So, and flying in here, we have this, that I could recite this in my sleep. Uh, <laughs> right. We went to the moon seeking vengeance, but it found us first. Crota, the son of Oryx, we'd never faced anything like him. In the end, only I was left. Crota and his armies destroyed our moon. If we don't stop him, I fear Earth will suffer the same fate. I love, I love the... Oh, go ahead. I, say, I just love that you know that so well. That the cadence of your voice is identical yeah. <laughs> to her dialogue in game. Yeah, well, I know it's inside out. Like I said, I've heard this line spoken a thousand times. Yeah, uh, I mean, it's, I've like, I've heard it too, which is why I knew it was the same. But it was just funny <laughs> hearing you. It's like it's just it's just they've put drops voice on it. It's exactly the same. Nailed it. Yeah. Uh, so I'll break down. I've I've made this argument so many times. I'll break this down. Uh we, we meaning meaning her and the Guardians, in fact, had faced something exactly like him. They faced him. <laughs> uh, so we went to the moon seeking vengeance, uh, but it found us. So the possibility is that this opening line could be in reference to Mare Imbrium, but it's not because we didn't go to the moon seeking vengeance. Right. Eris, Eris and first Crota went to the moon seeking vengeance. Uh, and if that's not enough, the follow-up line, in the end, only I was left, means it must be about her fire team. Because people survived Mare Imbrium. So this line is about first Crota. We'd never faced anything like him. That is false. I'm sorry. Like, did she did she forget Mare Imbrium, where they actually face Crota, which is the whole reason they went to the moon to seek vengeance in the first place? <laughs> this this dialogue doesn't make any sense unless you're just accounting for the fact that Eris's brain is a bag of cats. Like, there's no way to to justify any of this. Then she later says Crota and his armies destroyed our moon. No, they didn't. <laughs> the moon's still there we we just came from there <laughs> well in all fairness they have hollowed the entire thing out it kind of looks fine minus a few cracks here and there but the whole thing is hollowed out with hive tunnels they have sort of ruined it which like where did all that rubble go space <laughs> there's an ascendant ascendant <laughs> landfill area they're shooting it out that thing 
They were using the, the accelerator to just launch yeah. all the moon rocks off <laughs> towards Mars. And putting them on dead guardians. Yeah. They dropped <laughs> that one just... off of dead guardians. That poor dude. Well, at least it didn't affect our oceans. So, I, yeah. I'm a little <laughs> bit more forgiving of this line because the moon is damaged. Uh, but she she must know. So this she says this after escaping the moon. While she was on the moon, she read all of Tolan's journal. If she read all of Tolan's journal, she knows that the hive transform moons into fortress worlds. So they don't destroy moons. I guess one of them did. They split a moon in half or use it as a weapon. But this is a fortress world for Crota. He didn't destroy it. He turned it into a house. He did the opposite <laughs> of destroying it. He made, <laughs> made it better. Yeah, he made something out of it. It was a rock in space, and he turned it into a house. Uh, <laughs> Welcome to the moon. Make yourself at home. <laughs> so like MTV Cribs version. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yo, when I found this, it was just a rock in space. <laughs> now it's a temple. Uh, <laughs> so anyway, this opening line makes no sense. And as we get deeper in the dark below, we'll find that a lot of Eris's story just doesn't add up at all. <clears throat> uh, Sardon commands the hive spawn on Earth. Search the grotto, find this monster, and see to his end. So we spawn into the blast in this particular instance, which is we run it backwards. We basically land right where the fallen walker is during uh, the Sepix strike uh, for the House of Devils. So we're just playing this particular zone in reverse, which is amazing because running this whole thing backwards feels new. It really did. Uh, it was it took a second to realize that, oh, man, we're in the blast and we're basically running the House of Devils strike backwards a bit. Well, this is crazy. You don't really quite... It doesn't tr doesn't immediately register in your brain while you're doing it. Uh, and even running it a dozens and dozens and dozens of times, it still feels a little fresh the way that it, it plays through. Uh, That's this like is um, doing the Undying Mind strike. I always love that because you know it's the reverse of the Black Garden mission. Yes. Which I love doing because it's it just changes the whole thing, even though it's the same zone. Like the whole way you use it. Yeah, it's, it's yeah. a clever it's a clever reuse of of assets. Uh, and this is our first encounter with Omnigool. Uh, and it is is quite an encounter. So, again, setting the stage here, this is the Hive fighting the Fallen. Uh, before we even get on the scene. And we don't know why right here, right? Just they're in the same place, so they're upset. Yeah, well, like, we we drop in, and the Fallen are there. And you could, I've done this mission where I've completely ignored, I just went and hid to see how many Hive and Fallen will kill each other before uh, they'll pay attention to you. Mm -hmm. And, man, they'll just fight each other forever. Like, they'll just go <laughs> at it. Nice. I don't know that they can do enough. To, it's the two snipers on the back right-hand side of the map where we where you in the original in Vinodes where we used to snipe the fallen walker from. Yeah. Are two fallen snipers sniping Omnigool. 
Uh, I don't know if they can do enough damage to make her leave, but <laughs> but yeah, she comes in. And I think you have a note here about how she can't ever be unheard. Yeah, because she screams. Yeah, that first scream, that first Omnigol scream. Yeesh. So she'll summon waves. I think she summons a thrall wave. There's acolytes there, and she summons an exploder thrall wave. She summons some knights. Those or knights, you just hop on your sparrow and bypass the entire thing. Yes, you jump on your sparrow and then you <laughs> smash into one of those knights. <laughs> Unless they put up a darkness shield, that darkness shield will stop your sparrow dead in its tracks. <laughs> but sometimes you can catch them right before and and just like impale them against the back wall there. <laughs> so after killing Omnigol's minions, you don't have to. You can just blast through here. Uh, you head into the refinery. Uh, once in the refinery, we encounter this sort of ritual which is the same ritual that we encountered during the Blades of Crota thing in the public events, which started a week before this expansion dropped. So we're sort of familiar with what's about to happen. Uh, and that's a bunch of acolytes doing the uh, praise the weapon emote <laughs> around a funny little pot. And the funny little pot summons a Blade of Crota. And X-Ray has some notes here about farming Husk of the Pit. I did this like probably like 60 times trying to get my first husk before they much later buffed the drop rate and made it pretty easy to get one. Yeah. But yeah, I did that a lot of times. And that husk of the pit was like a total mystery. Like people had no idea what it was. Uh, yeah, I'm pretty sure people deleted it because they were like, what's this dumb white, white, white quality yeah. gun? I'm, I'm, no, I don't want this. It's an auto rifle. These are bad now. <laughs> Husk of the Pit. Desiccated and nigh inoperable, this hive artifact still manages to send shivers up your spine when fired. Uh, it's worth noting that this area, uh, the blast, even in Rise of Iron, the hive are still fighting the fallen there. Uh, you can get two different versions of Sepix Perfected, one that has fallen splicers here and one that has hive here so there's still oh, yeah army of ogres yeah the ogres which is hilarious because if you've never seen an ogre drop out of the sky like legit drop out of the sky <laughs> it, it happens here all the time because those two hive ships come in from above and they're supposed to do like that little scanner thing they have and the ogre is supposed to appear on the ground in front of you but the, a lot of times the left hand side ogre will spawn in the sky where the ship is and then drop <laughs> all the way down to the ground, and it's really funny to watch. <laughs> no fall damage, though. Yeah. I've had a few times doing that that strike where I've had, uh, like, lag going on, and the ships have all collided in the air. <laughs> it's really I love nice. They're just pushing each other around. One's trying to, like, they're trying to go at right angles to each other, so they're just moving across really slowly. <laughs> It happens thing. in the hull breach too on the dragon. Oh, the hull breach is hilarious when you get the cabal ships and the the tomb ships coming in at the same time and they're just knocking each other around everywhere. Yep. That's so good. I don't know who flies those things, but they need their pilot's licenses revoked. Nah, uh, it's hilarious. Don't stop it. Yeah. <laughs> so some more quotes here from Eris. Uh I survived for years in the tunnels under the moon using the shadows as the hive do. Keep your eyes open. Uh, that line, using the shadows as the hive, the hive don't use shadows. They're not ninjas. 
maybe Eris is. I don't know. <laughs> we get the we get the implication, but still, it's a weird. Yeah, I mean, even like about to, about to say that could be justified by the fact that they like the darkness, but no, they got lanterns everywhere. Yeah, the crystals lights. glow like <laughs> they make their own lighting. There are moths. It's and exciting stuff. Yeah, there, I don't think there's ever an encounter other than maybe Alakul the Dark Blade, where hive like come out of nowhere, where they like come out of the shadows. They're always like right there in front of you. The knights will just run straight at you. The thrall will just run straight. They don't hide and ambush you, really. Yeah, there's but... like that one area. Um, I'm trying to think where it is, but you head there when you're going to get a bit of Crota's crystal thing or whatever lost. it is. Yeah, lost to light. Uh, and then there's that one sort of hallway and it's all dark there. But I don't, they're a thrall, I think, maybe, but. No, there's no the like, thrall. There's no thrall until you until you get through that dark tunnel, and then the thrall are just that, like. There's that. There's that, and then there's the one on Earth, the room with all the hive in the darkness. Oh, that's where you true. first encounter them, and that's literally the only times I can think of that the hive are in the darkness. I mean, that's how you're introduced to them. Yeah. Which was really scary when I first played the game, and I didn't like that bit at all. But <laughs> I don't want to walk in the darkness. There, a thrall will hurt me. But yeah, that's like the hive room in decently well-lit places at all other times and well-lit because of them they put the lamps there <laughs> so it's not just like they're coincidentally in well-lit places it's like the no fallen, the fallen broken and left flashlights everywhere no it's not like they because it's just they've they put the lamps they make lanterns they're everywhere they've got like they've got like fluorescent track lighting in the circle of bones there's a ghost <laughs> hidden on top of them that's uh yeah that yeah that's a different that's like a weird area but it's like even even like on the dreadnought and stuff you get funky hallways that light up as you walk down the hallway oh that's right that's really that cool you're like this is cool lighting whoever does the electricity motion, in here is awesome <laughs> but there are spots on the moon where it's like this architecture just doesn't yeah, match it, anything no there yeah. are some it doesn't seem to fit to with the, the hive at all and, yeah yeah, there are some places like that on the Dreadnought too, I think, that it just seems a totally different style to what you think the Hive is, but it doesn't really scream anything else either. Yeah. It's, yeah, there's interesting stuff. But yeah, they, they've got lights everywhere. <laughs> they are practically the lighting kings of all the enemies we face. So, mm. I don't know what you were doing, Eris. But you know, you do yeah, your because thing. underground, when you go into the the tunnels in the buried city, where it's where it's actually dark, it's all Vex down there. Yeah, I mean, Vex oh. don't put lights everywhere. Fallen just sort of stick light sticks in the ground. At least the Cabal have sort of like portable construction lighting. But I mean, if you're gonna have <laughs> fixed lighting, the Hive is where it's at. Yes. <laughs> so they have swinging lights. Everything. Yeah, big old chandeliers. I'm sure if you counted the different kinds of lights that each race have, the hive would have the most. <laughs> we just use fire. You know, whatever. Just build a fire. <laughs> yeah, so I, don't, just, I don't know what Eris is complaining about. Yeah, I don't. Again, it's difficult to take anything she says seriously. Uh, or believe any of it. Uh, travel the loading docks into the grotto. Uh, the loading docks again, an area where that you get great music during the sepic strike. 
uh, and you exit out the back, the old, the old sniping location when, uh, when the devil's lair was the nightfall and it was like light switch and arc burn. You had to go hide back there where those train cars are. Uh, but that's the path you take for this particular mission. And that leads deep down into the grottos, which are also accessible through uh, the forgotten shore. And Sardon is down there. Uh, not to be confused with Sardok from the Shrines of Oryx. This is Sardon. And he is Lord of the Swarm Princes. Arguably pretty powerful. Uh, so Sardon is the first of Crota's disciples. His army helped shatter the moon. Uh, didn't you say he destroyed it? Uh, and claim it for his master. His presence here is a sign. The hive of preparing to wake Crota's soul. This guy is no joke. This guy was no joke in the expansion. He's no joke now. Uh, I mean, he's he, a little bit of a jerk now. I mean, he's a little bit of a joke now, but still. <laughs> if you get caught in his initial shockwave, it does a lot of damage. Yeah. The, just the power he wields kind of in that area is is pretty crazy because he, you know, he nerfs what we can do along with being able to do the shockwave and just the huge you know sword slashes so it's he's a he's a bad guy he's a bad dude because i was i don't, don't know why i was running this mission uh but i was running with my brother and i was on striker i'm like oh i'm just gonna shoulder tap like i'm gonna just peregrine greaves this guy in one hit so we went running in there and i was charging him and right before you gave this dark burden debuff i was about to sh shoulder charge him and he unleashed that shock wave and it dropped me down to like zero health it just erased my shields and my health and i was like <laughs> i'm like level 40 335 light and this guy can still do a considerable amount of damage uh but yeah he, he hits like a truck the shock wave is really strong uh the trigger here when you enter is a dark burden which prevents any kind of double jumping and decreases agility and movement speed. You have a note here extra about fighting him from a safe distance. Yeah, early on, I mean, that was, you didn't want to get close to him because he would one-shot you almost. It was, like you said, he was pretty powerful back then. I mean, it's, he's still powerful now, but but yeah, I think the, the main strategy there was just to keep your distance and try to snipe him out or use a, a good good scout rifle on him and, you know, get your shots in and then get away. So, But the one thing that was kind of cool... Uh, was that that uh, blade that you encountered when you first enter, what is it, the refinery, I think, right? Yep. Uh, if you kill him and just take off towards that area where Sardon is, you can actually have enough time to kill him with the sword. Nice. So that's that's a fun little test you can put on yourself if you want to go back and play that mission. It does sound fun. I always stopped. I stopped in that next room and just destroy everything with that oh, sword. Oh yeah, yeah for sure. That was my that was my go to place, obviously, for the you know kill three blades of Crota missions or, yep. or or whatever that would pop up. And then while you're at it, a lot of times if there was like the melee or uh, you know or the other, sword kills bounty. Yeah, the sword kills. I mean, they'd all all seem to pop up at the same time, and you could knock out like four or five of those at a time uh, just in that one area if you just replayed it a few times. Yep, and as long as you don't, as long as you don't go down into the grottos, it right. saves that checkpoint. Yeah, yeah, 
and you can just I think you could just you could just go back to uh yeah, you just go straight back to to orbit and then jump back yep. in, you don't even have to die and it just put you right back there almost. So take out take out Sardon, uh, and then Eris follows up with, now that Sardon has fallen, come see me. There is more to do. The rest of Crota's disciples will not cease until the Earth is ready for their master's return. I mean, this, this dude is pretty significant, and we just took him out. And she's already <laughs> like, okay, cool. You destroyed, like, the Lord of the Swarm Princes, the head of all the forces of the Hive on Earth. Uh, but there's more stuff to do. Forget about it. Let's go. <laughs> so much more to do. Next. So, so then we have the grimoire here for the fist of Crota. This is a conversation, right? Between a few people, the whole fire team. Almost the whole fire team. Yeah. Again, but this, this reveals that Toland knew a lot more than I think he led anybody on. Right. Sadly, there are five people in this conversation, only four of us on this podcast. Hmm. Oh. Scoob, where are you? <laughs> <laughs> we got to get somebody important on the show so he comes back. Oh, that's right. yeah. He only comes on when we have guests. <laughs> How do so we want to do this one? We just going to kind of read through it and just stop so at some of the... Well, the opening line is, one sword stands tallest among them, leading the charge against us all. So, I claim, I, I call Toland. <laughs> I'll be, oh, I don't want to be Veltarlo. Fine, I'll be Veltarlo. Oh, I'm Eris, obviously. <laughs> I guess I'm Omar. And who else do we you have? You could be Omar that's... and Ariana. I can do Ariana. I'll be, I'll be Ariana too then. Okay, yeah, you can do the two. I'll, I'll put on an Eris voice. Yeah. And an Ariana voice. <laughs> oh, brother. <laughs> I have like, I have one line. That's all right. Let's do it. You have a single line. So this Sardon is one of the Swarm Princes? In a stretch of the concept, sure. He is their lord and master. They are his generals. Sounds like my kind of fight. What isn't? Eris and Ariana said the blades rose first and slaughtered our brothers and sisters. If the one who leads their charge is within reach, I mean to end him. To end them all. We are here for Crota. <laughs> I'm afraid each disciple is Crota. Then it must be done. Know that I have faith in your light, as I do in my own. This isn't about faith. It's about vengeance. <laughs> It's about the only thing that matters, victory. It's about doing what we must to end this terror. We will face them all together. We have no time to fight individual battles. I have no doubt the Fist will welcome your challenge, Titan. When we face him, you will lead the charge. Come, Crota's temple lies ahead. If we can breach it, I'm sure another fight awaits. Toland, you're such a jerk. That last <laughs> line makes me so mad. <laughs> Which means Vel didn't even make it to Sardon. No, Vel never even made it inside the Temple of Crota. Right. He didn't even get to the door. <laughs> Titan. Oh, and if and if Tola knew that, he's just laughing right now. Oh, he's like, I'm he sure it. the, the Fist will that. accept your challenge. <laughs> you will lead the charge. Yeah, whatever. Don't worry, jerk. buddy. You'll get I your love chance. It. All right, let's you go back. Let's go back to the beginning. Let's let's. There's a few other things we want to talk about. Yeah. I guess right. All right, the Swarm Princes. 
So uh, the royalty of nightmare. I love that, man. I love the way some of this stuff is written. Uh, I actually, you, you should read this. This is yeah. your note, and I'll read my follow-up. Yeah, yeah. So, so yeah, this is a grimoire for the Swarm Princes. Uh, the royalty of nightmare. The Swarm Princes are terrible legends. It was their will that forged the sword of Crota, a weapon meant to ravage worlds, the great renderer of light, the darkest edge. They have waited in the shadows of the Hellmouth for their master's return, guarding the sword and sating its ravenous hunger with the light of guardians who have dared to challenge them. So yeah, to which I was, yeah. yeah oh, go ahead. So to which I responded, guardians who have dared to challenge them. Uh, how come nobody told us that before we headed there? <laughs> because we were the first ones on the moon in centuries, except for all the guardians that challenged them. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, so the, the only guardian we're aware of that hits the moon before us is the one we find out to the Temple of Crota. But according to this grimoire, guardians have been going after that sword for quite a while now, and the swarm princes have killed them all. This is what you get for listening to Rahul. Well, so if this isn't, doesn't... if this isn't, well, I mean, I know they say it's the same sword or the sword of Crota, but, you know, that could be a reference back to the light that our ghost now can magically track that's connected to the sword, you know, because it's obviously they've, this, that maybe it has to do with the light that the Swarm Princes have taken and not necessarily the sword. Well, I don't know. How was that worded? I forgot. But it was still... Right. Yeah, well, I'm tracking the sword by the light of the guardians. It's killed. Yeah, so it's the sword okay. itself. So, like, I get that, but then is, like, the vanguard just continuously covering up the fact that they keep sending guardians up there and they keep getting killed by the sword and they don't tell us that before they send us there too? Like, that seems pretty sadistic on the part of the vanguard. So, like, someone hey, give Kate a puzzle book or something. Yeah, keep him entertained some other way. Puzzler. I mean, <laughs> he's getting his jollies by sending guardians to get themselves killed by this thing. So if the so here we go though. So just because they are, you know, sating its ravenous hunger with the light of guardians who have dared to challenge them, that doesn't necessarily mean they were wielding the sword, right? If they were just guarding it. Yeah, there's no mention of them actually picking it up and using it. Right, they were just killing guardians, and the light that they took from those guardians was being used to to keep the sword happy. <laughs> In a way, it just yeah, floats there. Yeah, that means a whole bunch of guardians went up there and got their got themselves killed by the swarm princes. Yeah, right, right. That nobody told us about. Yeah. Also, who aren't very powerful. No, not by really. people who then send us there to do the same thing. <laughs> Like, I get the feeling this is like the Vanguard just like offered us up. It's like, well, we got to keep sending people to the moon to get killed so they don't come here looking for us. So who's the newest guy? Oh, hang on. Wait a minute. Yeah, that just got really dark. Now we're yeah. sacrificing guardians to feed light to the hive. We're just, really, we're, we are just tribute. <laughs> yeah, we're, we, we are the Vanguard's tribute to the hive. Oh, jeez. So they won't come to Earth looking for us. Yeah. 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 You like that? Well, <laughs> <laughs> who loves the speaker now? <laughs> Nobody. Yeah, of course. My mind goes to. I guess we're not the greatest guardians in the world. <laughs> so yeah. just a tribute. 
<laughs> Amazing. <laughs> Well, so then here, here a little bit further, you know, I think you, you made a comment on this line where Vel says, Eris and Ariana said, the blades rose first and slaughtered our brothers and sisters. So that's a reference again to Eris being at Mayor Ibrium. Ibrium? Yeah. Yeah. So, so Eris and Ariana, we know Ariana was there. Right. right. Uh, but it was sort of up in the air whether or not Eris was there, so. Uh, <laughs> like the, your question here. <laughs> almost reads as a bit condescending oh yeah yeah to the uh so yeah that last line that i was kind of up in arms about after we got done reading you know toland says i have no doubt the fist will welcome your challenge titan it, that just I, I said that almost reads a bit condescending which you said i think it should but <laughs> it's it's just i mean he doesn't even have the courtesy to to you know say the guy's name it's like he it's, it's like he doesn't know him which i know this is kind of a uh you know, ragtag group just kind of thrown together to go do this thing, and they might not have known each other if if they were having to recruit, if Ariana was recruiting people. Um, but it's still just you know, it right off right off the bat, you know, that line just like okay, Toland doesn't give two rats behinds about yeah. this guy, and then the next line kind of confirms it. <laughs> He's like, okay, you lead the charge. <laughs> so yeah, well, Toland knows they're all going to die, right? <laughs> Uh, he's he's, and, and if they don't, yeah, he's planning on taking one of them with him because he needs them as a sacrifice. Uh, again, whether Eris lives through all this by Toland's design or not, it seems like Toland is totally okay with the fact that she lived. So I can't imagine that it's some big wrench in his plan. But yeah, Toland knew that this is a bunch of like complete loser guardians. Like this is exactly <laughs> what he needed. Well, so okay, so just on that note um, about Eris, did he did he give her? Do we know, or was it stated that he gave her his journal, or was it just something that she just happened to have, and, and we don't really know how she got it? I have to imagine that he gave it to her, because I'm kind of thinking, I, you know, if if that thing is so kind of near and dear to him, maybe that's part of the reason she's alive, is he knows that she has it or had it, and didn't want it to be lost. You know, because I mean, it's, there's a lot yeah. of there's a lot of information there, but I don't know. She, well, and we we don't know if she learned her when she talks about learning Toland's tricks. We don't know if the, she learned those from reading the journal or, or from, whether yeah, Toland yeah. taught those directly to her. Right, right. Again, I meant I love the idea that you know before Toland takes Ariana and drags her into the keyhole, that he gives Eris his journal and was like. Like, here's something for you. Good luck getting out of here. Uh, but if you do, there's more work to be done type thing. Uh, yeah, just and then, setting up setting up the, the future. Yeah, because all, all this later on happens. Like, again, us going after Crota, that summoning Oryx to our system. Because, like, it all seems like it's all the mechanizations of Toland. So letting Eris go with his journal... Very much like, here's a nice pat on the back. Here's your parting gift. Good luck. Uh, if you don't make it out, it doesn't affect my plans. If you do make it out, it doesn't affect my plans. So, good luck. <laughs> I mean, and we, you well, know, I we mean, if Toland knew he was going to be unable to, because um, if he knew he was going to go to Ascendant Realm or whatever, from whatever this happened, um, then maybe he left his journal with Eris as a way of knowing that 
whoever it ends up with, because it'll end up with someone somehow, even if Eris doesn't keep it. Banshee. Like that's that's his way of still having influence in like the physical world. True. Anyone I... who reads it will be getting his knowledge and and his tricks, as it were, if it, if that's how she got them. So that's that might be just his way of ensuring he still has an influence in the physical world that he can apparently observe. And that seems like a very Tolan thing. Like yeah. we know from the exotic quests when we're talking about Tolan that he would you know, he tried to talk to anybody who would listen about his theories. So the journal surviving is sort of like his his ego at play. You know, like this this great work can't be lost. Take it back and make sure a million other people read it because it's my life's work. <laughs> and, it, and it can't, it almost can't continue unless someone reads that and follows up with getting rid of Crota to bring in Oryx to, you know, all this, there's yeah. all this stuff that ties together that, that he could have, I don't want to say foreseen, but kind of hoped for. Oh. And, and we would have never, we would have never gotten our, you know, super duper black market coupon to Zer's right. House of Wholesale <laughs> Exotics. So... <laughs> We definitely needed it for that. But, but yeah, there's yeah. a lot going on with that that guy. Man, I could talk forever about Tolan. <laughs> yeah, and I mean, who knows how much influence the journals... If, if Eris is down there hiding um, and she's just reading his journals, like, who knows how much influence that had over how she survived, like, why she has the eyes and things like that, why she gets these visions and things... Could it be things that she'd learnt or done from the journal? Well, yeah, I mean, the whole... I know she says they took one of her eyes. So she took um, three. So she took three. But, <laughs> you know, who would think of doing that? Is that something that she read to do? Like, get fancy visions if you take hive eyes. She has a what thing a good for suggestion, eyes. Toland. <laughs> she does have a thing like... for eyes. Yeah, no, that could totally be like it's like you open to like page twenty seven, and it's like Tolan's guide to home eye surgery, and she's like, "Oh, this seems like it would be helpful." Yeah, because I mean, she's she's a hunter who managed to teleport someone from another planet, from another dimension. <laughs> so, right. Yeah, well, like yeah, that's true. So, like, there's got to be more than just that as far as Trixie spells in there. Yeah. Um, now, again, I would I would just do anything to get my hands on a copy of a complete Tolan's journal. We did. It would be incredible. <laughs> and we gave it away. We gave it away. We didn't give it away. We traded it. <laughs> don't try and make it sound not terrible. We got I something know. in return. I mean, it's like, you know, I don't know. Maybe it wasn't yeah. a fair deal. We did get Was it worth it? I I mean, No, abs- it was not worth it. <laughs> oh, no, absolutely not. <laughs> Even I'm I'm still on the fence over whether or not Sleeper Simulant was worth giving Praith's ghost back. Mm, yeah. Like, I held on to that ghost for a long time. I know when I get up to that on my ults, I'm not giving it. <laughs> Keep it Good. That. Keep it forever. I've got one Sleeper, I can give it to my ults. But I'm going to keep the ghost. I wish I could play through the old exotic quest again and just keep Tolan's journal. <laughs> just, just stop. Right? Stop. Nope, I'm not going to complete this quest. I have it. 
I mean, I already have the icon floating over the stupid tower and over <laughs> right. the Iron Temple because of the stupid quest for Thorn, but... So, give it to me. Give me the journal. Give to uh, me. What are we at for time? We're, we're... A couple hours. Late. Two and a half. We're, uh, we're at like two, two and a half, yeah. All right. Well, let's get through Siege of the Warmind and The Awakening because that really is the first half of The Dark Below. And then we'll cover like the extermination and bring me the eyes <laughs> and in the next show. All right. Siege all right. of the Warmind. Siege of the Warmind, the greatest mission ever for accomplishing all your bounties. <laughs> you can do everything here. It's so good. Find Rasputin's bunker, defend it against a hive attack. This is our first big insight into the hive have got a thing for Rasputin. All right, here we go. Some amazing more dialogue from Eris here. Uh, Rasputin is the last of the war mines. They were the greatest defense systems ever devised, a massive network of satellites and doomsday weapons built to protect humanity. Crota's army gathers near one of the war mines' hidden bunkers. We cannot let the hive destroy Rasputin, or worse, control it. I've heard that 10,000 times. Uh it is never explained to us how Eris knows so much about the war mines, especially Rasputin. Uh, she becomes involved in a lot of things pertaining to Rasputin, and there's we never learn why. I don't know if Tolan's journal has a whole section on the war mines, but I don't understand how she knows so much about it. Uh, she hints that she's like spoken to the war mind, but. When? How? Where? Why could Eris do what the Iron Lords were never capable of? She's got beautiful eyes. <laughs> the Warmind. Rasputin likes her eyes. Were the were the Warminds involved at all with the Battle of uh, Mare Imbrium? We have no... Presumably no, because they would have been all lost in the collapse at that point. Okay. But who knows, right? Because so previously we thought that the war mines were dormant until the last array where we let Rasputin like free. Uh, and that's when he starts to regain his power. Right. But now Rise of Iron has retconned all that to say that Rasputin was highly active during the earliest days of of the sort of the post-Dark Ages, the City Age, and the Age of the Iron Lords, because they went in after Rasputin, and he was highly active defending his bunkers. Which means but that... He... The Lost Array, like, that was to connect to the Outer Colonies. And after that, that's when he did the strike on Mars, wasn't it? Yes. So could it be that he was just shut off from connecting to the arrays, the war stats, the other planets. And so he was like then, like this is just my thinking, then he was confined to Earth. So he could still be active and awake and doing stuff on Earth within his own facilities. Yes. But what we did was essentially open the door and let him out. Yeah. We we connected him to the, the rest of the, the colony systems for the most part. Yeah. So could that be why then Rasputin wouldn't have been able to strike other planets or 
do anything like that, but he could still very much defend his own facilities. Yeah, I mean that would that would that would make I mean this really makes sense, uh, but it it creates these weird conflicts with things like the Battle of Six Fronts or the Battle of Twilight Gap, where you have the Fallen fighting the Guardians, but at this point Rasputin is still highly active and monitoring all these things and why. Like, why is Ghost so surprised in the Warmind mission that Rasputin has survived the collapse when we know that the Iron Lords encountered Rasputin? When we know that if Rasputin has been active for all this time, why is it so shocking for our Ghost and us and the Vanguard that he survived? Warren, well, wasn't I mean, a lot of the Iron Lord stuff, you know, they, they, they talk about was like kept hidden and secret from yeah. everyone. So, I mean, our our ghost, obviously, it doesn't have access to everything and, and or a lot because <laughs> everything seems to be a shock to our ghost. Uh, <laughs> but well, but I mean, yeah. Siva was a shock to everyone. Right. Saladin said they kept it hidden because they didn't want anyone to know about it because that's a great way of stopping things from happening again. so it could be that they kept Rasputin's like being active still a secret as well especially if he wasn't able to like Rasputin wasn't able to outwardly show that he was active if it was just within his own facilities I get but it just means it's I mean it basically means that a hundred iron lords went into RAS bunker two or four, whatever. They were all killed by Rasputin, except for Saladin, who then escapes and becomes some kind of vanguard commander. But nobody ever says, "Hey, where are the hundred other Iron Lords?" And Saladin never once says, "This great war mine that was built to defend Earth from the darkness is still around. It's underneath our feet right now. It's still <laughs> active. It's alive." We didn't say it had to make sense. Explain about Siva. He did. He did say he tried to keep it all hidden. So I mean, telling the story in one part would lead to him having to explain the rest logically. Saladin seems like the kind who would turn up at the tower, all silent and brooding. They'd go, "What happened?" And he's like, "I've just lost them. It's okay. They're gone." And no one would be able to get anything out of him. He seems like the kind of person who could be stubborn enough to do that in his pride. But Osiris didn't see that and go, there's got to be more to this story. A hundred Iron Lords don't just disappear. Yeah, I mean, I guess. Just depends where people were focusing their thought I mean, and energy. Maybe, Osiris, maybe, Osiris was kind of focused on other... Maybe Saladin showed up with a handful of Galahorns. He's like, here, guys, here's all these these awesome <laughs> Galahorns for everyone. And they're like, well, where are the guards? No, 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 take these. It's, it's, uh... Oh, Galahorn, oh, thanks, uh, yeah. <laughs> What were we talking about? These oh, are the guardians. I'm just going to go shoot stuff. Yeah. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> that his, that's the only reason. That's the only reason we have uh, have the Galahorn is because it was his way of of you know bribing everyone to leave him alone and not ask about <laughs> where everyone went. So, so it well, just seems well, seems part, weird to me. And then, but then Eris, like, how, what did I mean? Well, that's why that's why I brought up the whole you know where the war mines active during. Mar Imbrium because I mean maybe I mean if if they were getting you know 
defeated that easily by Crota at that time, you know, maybe they went to enlist the help of the the war mines or see if they could get them back online or do something like that. Maybe Eris had a part in that. I mean, you know, there's a lot that, you know, that's the only thing I was kind of thinking of because didn't we assume or didn't we think that Eris was a relatively, or, or wasn't it said that she's a relatively young guardian or new guardian yeah. at the time of the Crota encounter? So that means that Mayor Imbrium, she would have even been, you know, even more, you know, green behind the ears or whatever. So, you know, that might have been their way of, you know, she's helping out, but not like really in in the fight. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I don't know the 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 chronology now is screwed up. Is weird. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like we know Tevis spoke to Rasputin. We know Eris here apparently knows a lot about the war mines. The Iron Lords faced off against Rasputin directly, but somehow managed to never tell anybody anything about it. Uh, Eris knows where their secret, the secret bunker entrances are somehow. Like, I don't know. Uh, it's funny thinking about Siege of the Warmind because I keep the checkpoint at the very entrance to Siege of the Warmind and I never play past the Hive Knight at the end to save the checkpoint. I forget there's a whole other mission that happens behind <laughs> Siege of the Warmind. Uh, so we have this quote by Eris. Uh, and I just don't know how Eris knows so much about Rasputin. Rasputin remains silent. Uh, but still fights to protect us. We cannot let Crota's army find a way around the war mine's defenses, or Crota's disciples will flood the earth. Also, where is Saladin? <laughs> the Vanguard is actively sending guardians into the same war mined bunkers where all the Iron Lords were killed. If Saladin's job is to protect this secret, shouldn't he show up and be like, maybe there's somewhere else we could go? <laughs> Don't don't look in there. Don't look at the the war mine behind the curtain. Uh, also, where are the hundreds of Iron Lord bodies? They're sevified. So no, well, three of them are sevified. Yeah. In the replication chamber. Where are the other hundred? Swept well, under I mean, the rug, you, apparently. Yeah. Have you seen the place? Rasputin keeps it pretty clean. It just kind of like drags something over. I'd like to imagine the fallen took all the bodies and they did like we're gonna find fallen wearing iron lord armor <laughs> totally uh, so and then gavel has a note here <laughs> they did and they will again then the taken then the fallen <laughs> the iron lords were really inept <laughs> yeah because i mean the war mind and again now we still have no answer here like why well I guess the reason why the Warmind didn't deploy Siva against the Fallen or the Taken was because they were the replication chamber was sealed so there was no more Siva but that doesn't make sense because the Fallen got their hands on a ton of it I don't know it's too there's too much retconning there's too much fan fiction you have to create to make it all make sense Uh, yeah uh, we encounter Omnigul again back here. Uh, Omnigul silence her screams, a famous thing. I've gone to this mission and recorded the, the little screens that appear before they all go crazy. 
Uh, Omnigul retreats to her her box seats and watches the fight. Uh, and we're introduced to the Watchers of Crota and the Might of Crota. Uh, and the Watchers of Crota introduce a new mechanic that we see in a lot of Dark Below missions, which is the vestiges on the ground. These sort of like green burning areas that you cannot stand in or they will damage you. This fight could get really, really hairy in certain circumstances. I remember doing this fight for the first time, and I didn't know the wizards were making the vestiges. <laughs> I thought they were just appearing as part of the mission. Because they were appearing, like, because it was appearing for me, I just must have been chance. They were so symmetrical. There was, like, yes. one in the middle, one on this stair, one on that stair, one on this spot, one on that stair, and it was symmetrical across the room. So I assumed they were just appearing naturally. And I thought, because there were two at the top of the stairs down to that little lower area, mm -hmm. and I thought it was blocked off on purpose, I did not get the ghost in there. Aww. <laughs> because I thought, you, I thought the game didn't actually want you to go down there. <laughs> and I did it again later, and I was like, hang on, these aren't, oh, the wizards are making, oh, I can totally go grab that ghost. <laughs> like, There's no also idea. the ghost way up at the top of the stage, too. Yeah, I got that later, yeah. So and then the might of Crota is a gigantic ogre. And there's a quote here from Toland uh, about the might of Crota. So Toland says, uh, "When a god's will is met with force, its might will be unleashed in the form of those raging beasts we call the ogre, monsters bred of pain, tormented by the light, nothing but hatred for all who bring its suffering forth." How do you know this? It was told to me. By the speaker? By the darkness itself. <laughs> yeah, that's a very cool line. Yeah. Like, dang, Toland. He knows. He knows yeah. where this stuff comes from. Uh, and, he's, and he's pretty right. I mean, this is, this for all intents and purposes, what we know about how an ogre is created is very similar to this. And this is a gigantic ogre. This is like a Fogoth-sized ogre in that little tiny room. <laughs> yeah. It hits pretty hard. Uh, and then finishing this mission is well done, Guardian. Rasputin is safe, but Crota's army is more powerful than I thought. We cannot rest. Now is the time to stop them from waking Crota's soul. We never get to explore this area much more, This the RAS bunker here. Which is unfortunate. It's, I mean, we we do re-encounter it in the Taken King. And if you go down there, there's weird stuff that happens. And the Seven Seraphs Chamber uh, is a place you can glitch into. It is below the big mainframe that is in the, the main room here of Siege of the Warmind. It's never been accessible to us. Uh, again, you can glitch into it. You can see this whole Seven Seraphs layout with these interesting interfaces but it's never been used really uh in destiny so far so cool little secret area there that we cannot quite get to yet uh, also worth noting that this room seemed cool this seemed like a war mind like core or mainframe this room but later on in the taken king we encounter some like 
amazingly enormous warmind facilities that dwarf this tiny little section uh, that make it seem almost silly by comparison that this this little part was so important compared to all the other things that are in the Rasputin bunkers. Uh, and we will later return to this room for sleeper simulants. So uh, the grimoire for, for Siege of the Warmind. The Hive know the power of Rasputin. They fought him on many fronts, but this attack seems targeted. There was some kind of purpose in this, one that I can't seem to follow. You stop them from tearing from tearing apart this arm of the Warmind, but perhaps Omnigul found what she sought. It's not like her to run from a feast of light. I'll continue to monitor the Warmind's efforts, but be careful of its motives. Not every ally shares our goals. Rasputin might have survived the collapse, but at what cost to the rest of us? This whole thing makes no sense. This entire paragraph I just read is bananas. Uh, X-Ray asked this question, what fronts have they fought him on? <laughs> Again, there's no evidence of any of this. Uh, the Hive attack during the last array, but they face us, not Rasputin. The Hive fight the Fallen more often than, Ras than Rasputin, and it's the Cabal and the Vex that are faced with Rasputin's orbital bombardment on Mars. How does Eris, first of all, they haven't. If even if they have, how would Eris know about it? And up to this point, nobody knows anything about Rasputin. So you, I'd think that if Rasputin was facing off against the Hive on many fronts, really the Vanguard didn't pick up on any of that at all. They know the Hive were fighting the Fallen, but not Rasputin. Like this is just. Uh, so again and but this attack seems targeted meaning that the skirmishes that are occurring between the hive and Rasputin are just like like out in the open and this is a target but the war mind doesn't have any proactive measures active on the surface of either the moon or earth so Which is why apparently she can't seem to follow. Uh, and then she's all continue to monitor the war mind's efforts. How? First of all, how? And second of all, Gavel's comment. Eris is in charge of monitoring Rasputin. Like well, that seems like a dangerous thing to put her in charge of. <laughs> so. But is she even in charge of that, or is she just like self-proclaimed in charge of that? I'll continue to do it. I'll do it. I'll watch the warm end. Like right, but in vanilla... as far as cause everyone else, they're just kind of like, yeah, she's the hive girl. She'll watch the hive. I guess, but in vanilla destiny, she's camped out with her ship hitched to the side of the tower. Like, how is she monitoring the war mind? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, not every ally shares our goals. Uh, Rasputin's not really an ally; more of an. In this case, he's an enemy of our enemy. But. Again, we're talking about the war mine that slaughtered a hundred Iron Lords. So, sure, I guess that's still a hidden fact. But why would she consider Rasputin our ally? I mean, everyone does. the The Vanguard, the 
you know, just people in the tower, like everyone sort of considers Rasputin like we've got to get him online to help us. He'll save us, you know, like he's never proved himself really to be an ally Correct. in that sense. He's just a neutral party. Whereas everyone in the tower, like all of Vanguard, they seem to say we, Rasputin will help us if we get him online. We need to keep punching him until he loves us. Like, yeah, that's a big, that's a big Zavala thing. Like, <laughs> need to break in there and make him love us. Yeah. And it's like, <laughs> everyone seems to think that Rasputin is our ally. So I don't think that's just Eris. I think that's just the common consensus, except for Rasputin. He doesn't think that at all. But He's again, just like, I'm... I guess you can come in. Kind of got hive in here. <laughs> Amazing that Zavala the student of Saladin would know nothing about what Rasputin did to the Iron Lords. Yet Zavala, and so Zavala remains convinced that, oh no, we got to keep talking. We got to keep, got to keep at him. He'll, he's going to turn to our side eventually. We'll, we'll have a new golden age with him at our side. And it's like he killed all the family of the dude who trained you. <laughs> Like, yeah, well, why would you? It's like I was saying, like, what we, from the impressions I get of Saladin from Rise of Iron, he has kept this under lock and key secret the whole time. He has not mentioned to anyone what happened to Siva and the Iron Lords. He's kept it all secret. So he probably just sat there while, you know, Zavala's going, let's punch it till it loves us. And he's just like, <laughs> you do that, kid. Like, I don't think he would have mentioned it because. I mean, I. this is just my own, like, personal thoughts on the Iron Lords thing. But because they wanted Siva to use, I think part of the reason they keep it secret is because the the pride of it, that it was their fault they uncovered it. Like, yeah, I mean, if he was to reveal that. what they did, that would be revealing their mistake. I don't know. Yeah, I, I mean, there is certainly no secret that the Iron Lords were not the heroes that the sort of the, the myth leads us to believe that they are. You yeah, know, they which is they, why I think Saladin's pride and his, not just pride in himself, but pride in the name of the Iron Lords and being an Iron Lord, he doesn't want to tarnish that image with the truth of what actually happened. As, the, as well as not wanting it to get out. And the best way to do that is to not tell anyone it exists. Yeah. Yeah, until we show up, apparently. I say best way sarcastically. It's a terrible <laughs> way of fighting something. <laughs> Just hope no one runs into it. And when they do, they won't know what to do with it because they don't know what it is. Yeah. But, you know, just hope. And then there's this last line, uh, Rasputin might have, might have survived the collapse, but at what cost to the rest of us? Uh, and Gavel makes a great point here, like, does Eris know that Rasputin sort of decided that in order to, the best case for humanity for future survival was to sacrifice the present? How could you possibly know that? Oh, Eris. Yeah, exactly. Crazy. She is crazy. So that leads us to the third part of uh, the Rise of Crota storyline here. Like I said, this will be the last part, and then we'll move on. We'll cover 
extermination and the ritual sacrifice on the next show. This leads us to the awakening, which was like the big sort of penultimate mission before the raid dropped. Uh, so this is go to the temple of Crota and destroy Crota's soul. The wakers of Crota are summoning his soul from a dark realm. Find them, stop them, do what you must to shatter Crota's soul. Uh, and again, we get some amazing Eris dialogue that makes no sense. And again, further confirms that her story is impossible to really know. Uh, so, and she says, six of us went down into that pit. I was vain enough to believe that we could defeat Crota, but the hive caught his soul before we could destroy him. And then there was only death. <clears throat> we failed. You cannot destroy the soul of Crota. Uh, this I was thinking of this just before when you were talking about um, standing standing watch being the only one left and you were talking about Saladin. In my head, I was just thinking nine of us went down into the pit. I was vain <laughs> enough to believe we could defeat Siva. Like... <laughs> fits it does Sorry. continue i just had to mention that because i thought of it earlier so then we have this reference to the pit eris ends up using this phrase a lot the pit the pit get the guardian get him out of that pit you've got to get out of that pit it's always believed to be the pit is the hellmouth. uh but it seems that eris uses the phrase the pit to describe all of the hive tunnels you get husk of the pit. Which pit is that referring to? I guess that's true. You get that in a room. On <laughs> but even if that she means in reference to all the hive tunnels are, quote, the pit, she's still wrong. Only five of them made it in there because Vel Tarlo died outside in the surface of the moon because he was a titan that got run down by thralls. Uh, <laughs> so that part's wrong. Then I was vain enough to believe that we could defeat Crota. Why, why would she think that? Why would any of this fire team think that? They got stomped so hard at Mare Imbrium by this death god. Why would they think that six of them could defeat Crota? Because they were really mad at him. Like... Ridiculous. I mean, that's just ridiculous to me. They just, but then the hive caught his soul before we could destroy him. But they never make it to him. None of them do. Toland only makes it as far as Eryutes. They never face Crota. So how does she know the hive caught it? Why would the hive even have to catch his soul? They never encountered him. Ah. Uh, this aligns with nothing we know about Crota. Uh, Crota was called off by Oryx at Mare Imbrium, and first Crota, as far as we know, never got anywhere near Crota, or even that deep into the Chamber of Night. Uh, the only possibility is that the first Crota fire team made it to the Chamber of Night, somehow destroyed Crota's soul crystal, preventing him from manifesting our dimension, uh, but then the Watchers caught his soul, prevented any real repercussions, and then who was left of the fire team got somehow lost in the stills. <laughs> From as far as we know, there's no connection between the stills and the Chamber of Night. 
which if it existed, we would know about it because in a previous mission, Ghost says he has mapped all of the hive tunnels. Uh, so he must know. I mean, again, it's Ghost, so who knows if he's really right or wrong. But again, a lot of these things just don't line up. Uh, and to destroy the soul of Crota, to, which Eris is the only person in the tower who understands that what we do in this mission is is most certainly will not destroy the soul of Crota. Uh, and that's the start to this, this whole mission, the awakening. So even from the start, some of this stuff just doesn't make any sense. And even she will then contradict herself later on in the mission. Uh, so we have this line, we hid in the old moon base up ahead, waiting for the right time to strike. We were brave, but we were not ready. So this is the anchor of light on the way to the Temple of Crota. This is the same building we pass through when we're tracking that guardian. Uh, and again, further evidence that the first Crota fire team was headed for the Chamber of Night and not the Oversoul Throne. Toland would have known this, but it also could have been part of Toland's plan to thin the herd before attempting his ascension. Uh, and then she says, few of us made it beyond the canyon. So wait a minute, six of you went into the pit. You said that earlier, but now you're acknowledging that it was worse for the ones who made it inside. So you're saying six of you went down there, but then no, wait a minute, not really, because you didn't all make it inside. And most of you did. Uh, few would be five. The only person who didn't that we know is Felt Harlow. So... Uh, <laughs> good comments here by Gavel and myself. Uh, few of us made it beyond the canyon. The rocks cracked apart. Hive waiting in ambush. It was worse for the ones who made it inside to stay alive. Uh, it is the second time we have faced a swarm of hive coming out of this door. We were fine the first time. We're fine this time. Uh, then we get throughout while you're exploring down there, going through all these hive tunnels. There's all kinds of weird stuff that happens. She says, Crota, they're waking him. To which I've got to believe that neither Ghost nor Eris knows what the word wake means. Uh, the hive will work. <laughs> yeah, they are. The hive will like, already awake. This doesn't make, yeah. By now, we know they're awake. Like, are you kidding me? We've been fighting them this entire time. I hope Eris' uh, ghost said the same thing in that situation as they reached the door. We've woken the hive. <laughs> what are the hive? So, also, at this point, she had, again, she has read Tolan's journal completely. She would know that they're not waking him up. Like, he's not asleep. He's he's hanging out in the Ascendant Realm, and they're trying to manifest him. But again, we're on the moon right now. They're not trying to manifest him on Earth. They're trying to manifest him back into the physical plane on the moon. But that, uh, I don't know. It just, the, the language doesn't work. It doesn't make sense. It doesn't. Even if the, 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 the wakers of Crota had to initiate a ritual to move Crota from their, the ascendant plane to our physical plane on the moon. 
that has nothing to do with what she's saying here. And she would know that because she has the journal. So anyway, there's four Wakers of Crota. Once you defeat them, the giant soul crystal comes to life with Crota's face inside it. Uh, and our job is to shatter that crystal. Another uh, example of funky hive lighting. Yes. It's actually a pretty cool fight. The first time that giant crystal like rises up out of the ground and starts spinning and shooting things and Crota's voice can be heard and like it's really cool. There's also there's things when you're running through the hive tunnels here where you hear Crota's voice. Uh, and even the things that he says don't always make complete sense uh, in the context of what we know. Although he does say, I think, believe I can't die, which is a great line by him. But why would he even say that? Nobody's been able to kill him up and nobody's even come close. So it seems like a weird line. So you smash the crystal, uh, the soul crystal, and apparently that is what banishes Crota's soul. I understand disrupting the ritual may prevent him from manifesting in our realm. Uh, or back on the moon. So I'm okay with that. But this is like, oh, this whole thing is very weird. Uh, Crota's soul is banished. You have given me the gift of vengeance. I thank you. And even if they don't know it yet, the city thanks you. Uh, but before... I, city. Yeah. <laughs> so Gabble's going to note here, it says, uh, she said destroy before, but now she acknowledges it was merely banishment. So, but banished where? I mean, it, I guess it just blocks him from manifesting physically in our plane. Uh, and the gift of vengeance, like this, this is her vengeance, like smashing this soul crystal. Again, I hate to keep harping on this. She has Tolan's journal. She knows that this has nothing to do with ending the threat of Crota. Like, he is a god prince of the Ascendant Plane. He's just hanging out. Like, this does almost nothing to stop him. How would this be her vengeance? She only skimmed Tolan's journal. <laughs> she flicked the pages until she found the part that labeled Cool Spells. <laughs> how to make hive eyes. She has the Cliff Notes version. Yeah, well, no, she just sees, like, a page. It's, like, about hive souls, like, boring. Flick, 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 flick. How to teleport. Ooh, yeah, <laughs> this is cool. <laughs> I'm not going to use this to get myself out. I'm going to use it to get someone else out later. Okay. So, okay, this, Iris. And the path we take here to the Chamber of Night is different. So previously, the Chamber of Night is just the room where the Shard of the Traveler is. Uh, but in this now, the Chamber of Night opens way up, and there's this huge, deep, long, cavernous space where you end up finding this this soul crystal. That seems to be like the real Chamber of Night, uh, or as Ghost calls it, the darkest of all the Hive Chambers. Uh, So it it this is like the new like new map. So up to this point, it's been a lot of retread of similar places. The Warmind Bunker was new, uh, previously guarded by that. What is it? The something of Oryx. The ridiculously strong hive knight that guarded the entrance to the Warmind Bunker. Oh, uh, uh, I forget. Me too. 
<laughs> it's 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 there in my brain. Yeah, that that guy was a beast. He was unkillable. Uh, so I said, this mission returns us to the familiar location from the vanilla missions, the Chamber of Night. But the location becomes hugely significant, both in terms of Dark Below and the Taken King. Uh, the Chamber of Night opens way up and becomes this much larger uh, zone. So when we first head there, the the speaker says nothing is more important now. We believe that the hive are engaged in a ritual that is draining the traveler of its light. Whatever the power they will must be understood and then destroyed. Uh, so and there's this line I was mentioning earlier at the beginning of the original Chamber of Night. Ghost says the ritual could be happening in any one of their thousands of chambers. If we can find the cracks deep enough, I can map the entire hive fortress. Uh, so Ghost, again, along with Tolan's journal, along with the world's grave, Ghost has an entire map of the Hive Fortress on the moon. That's pretty significant. Uh, yeah, but then he would be able to tell us about all these rooms that we're discovering, and but does he? No. no. Well, no. So, but then later during the the Fogoth strike. Ghost talks about uh, having to travel super deep into the tunnels to try and find the summoning pits because we don't know exactly where they are. So if he's, he's mapped it, he'd know. But he's got the entire map. Honestly, I do not. I do not trust my ghost. He, he's he's bad at math, so <laughs> I mean, like, I don't trust his ability. He's probably just like gone into his little system he's opened up microsoft paint and like made a box and put door on one end and hall on the other and he's like there we go mapped <laughs> just kind of looked around the room uh we, big circle we, scary we guy here <laughs> way there. Little, little like stick figure drawing of Crodo this sort <laughs> he's like uh okay i i guess we go this way yeah this way but then the grimoire from the awakening sheds even more light on this, no pun intended, uh, where Eris says, thanks to thanks to you, the Wakers of Crota failed to summon their master here. My efforts to warn you were not in vain. But beyond the threshold at the pit of the Hellmouth, uh, Crota still lives, and his disciples will continue to haunt the Earth, seeking the power to raise him again and again until Earth the Earth is carved in his name. But there is a way, spoken by the Shattered One, to enter the dark where he sleeps. Perhaps you can succeed where we could not. Gather a force worthy of the light and enter the abyss. Only there can we truly see to Crota's end. Uh, but she's already got her vengeance, so... Right. Which is <laughs> weird, because she hates Crota so much... But her vengeance was smashing the soul crystal, not actually taking out legit she's, Crota. She's the angry ex. She just wants to destroy his stuff and then leave. Exactly. Like this is, and that's like the great secondary story here is that Crota ditched Eris for Omnigul and Eris. That's why is she hates like, Omnigul so much. Yeah, she's the angry ex. Honestly, <laughs> the most the most passionate line in the whole game is her telling us to kill Omnigul. She's not. She doesn't sound as, as like she cares nearly as much. We have to kill Crota. 
He's like, it's Crota. Kill him. And it's like, Omnicle. <laughs> Slay <Silence> her. <laughs> but again, all this is about, all this happens on the moon. So this is very, at this point, there's very little to do with Earth. Uh, that core really, about being. Because yeah, Cade, Cade told us to smash stuff around on the moon. No, well, that's true. We found the hive, and he's like, "You <laughs> should go kill their fortresses." You know, <laughs> so we do, and then all this happens. Yeah. What a mess. <laughs> uh, so this this phrase, "the pit of the hellmouth," is what is why I think the pit is generally referred to as the hellmouth. So, he's just seeking the power to raise him again and again. Okay, so we smashed his soul crystal, which prevented him from manifesting on the moon in our dimension. But obviously he persists in his throne world. Uh, but why are his minions on Earth putting all, putting uh, in all this work? Uh, what? No, basically, why are his minions trying to summon him to the moon? Why don't they do this ritual on Earth? Skip the middleman. Like, just why? What do you? What's like? What is their? What is their real plan? Is their plan to summon Crota to the moon, so then he can then smash the moon into Earth, meet up with Omnigul and all the hive he didn't kill by smashing the moon into Earth, and then assault the traveler, or is he going to get in like his the Crota mobile and drive from the moon to Earth? Like, why why summon him in the moon and not the earth? Uh, but anyway. Uh, and what work? Uh, is this all tribute gathering? Is this a spell? Are they going to get together and describe him? Uh, why is it that Crota cannot manifest in this realm on his own? Uh, he was never actually defeated or killed. So this is a weird sort of glitch in the story that I've never understood where so Crota wasn't defeated on the moon, which means that he wasn't like banished back to his throne world. He was basically told by Oryx to go to his room. Uh, but what's preventing him from just coming here on his own? Like why, why are there wakers of Crota? Why all the rituals? Why, all, why is it so elaborate to summon Crota from his throne world into our dimension? And the only thing I can think of is that Oryx has some kind of spell or something in place that prevents Crota from leaving his room for the most part. Uh, so Crota has asked his followers to try and find a way around that. And maybe that's what these rituals are. These rituals aren't because he was killed and can't escape his throne world. These rituals are because he's trying to defy Oryx. And re-manifest himself on our plane. Uh, which is the only way any of this really makes sense. Yeah, <laughs> he got grounded. That's what it is. His dad yeah, grounded like, him. And, and now he has to try and find the way to climb out the window and down the tree. Exactly. I mean, that's exactly what this is. Uh, <laughs> his friends have to, make... like, swing a ladder up to his window. That's what we're doing here. <laughs> Come on, Crota, go party with us. Going to I mean, that, that's Woo. gotta be yeah that's gotta be that's the <laughs> only reasonable explanation for for why this is also elaborate I can't guys my dad grounded me it's okay <laughs> we'll get a ladder crew the swarm Come party with us. 
the Sworn Princes right there. We have your sword, man. We got it right here. <laughs> Let's go kill some guardians. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And then he's kind of just like, oh, well, can you just bring them to my room? I guess I can fight them in here. Yeah, I mean, we literally go to Oryx's or to Crota's room to fight him in his own room. Uh, it's like, haha, suck it, Dad. I can still fight if I'm in my room. I'm not breaking the rules. <laughs> I can't get out of here to fight them, but I invited them all over. House party! <laughs> <laughs> it's a giant house party. Yeah, I can't go to the party, so I brought the party, party to me. Uh, that's, that's awesome. Omnigool is out, like, stapling flyers around the Cosmodrome. Party at Crota's house. <laughs> So that's literally what happens is he's grounded and he's just trying to find a way around it without getting yeah. in trouble from his dad. <laughs> uh, then there's this line, perhaps you can succeed where we could not. Uh, well, we technically, we already did. We smashed the soul crystal, which is what you were trying to do. You guys never even made it close to his throne world. I mean, and we're still alive by this point, so we're succeeding where they could not anyway yeah uh so we're clearly much more powerful guardians than the first code of fire team at least eris vel sai and omar uh but it is worth wondering how far they would have gotten had toland not been plotting against them in the background ariana three seemed like a highly capable warlock she was a highly decorated bearer of the cormorant seal part of the praxic order of warlocks like ariana three survived mare imbrium so she's Seems like she's kind of a big deal. Uh, and the others, too. Like, I'm not sure how Eris is as a hunter, but Sai certainly seemed like a very capable hunter. Yes. Like, talking about with her knives and everything, like, seemed like a very capable hunter. Vel seems like a typical tanky titan. <laughs> so, I mean, I think they would have done well had it not been they were playing against each other because they all had... At least at first, they had a very blind faith in Toland. Yes. They were just trusting whatever that guy said. But I mean, that happens. <laughs> I was thinking about this before. That happens at, like, you know, when you do, like, uh, I'm trying to think, it's is it Cade, Cade's stash mission? And uh, you get someone who's been there before quite a few times and someone who's never been there before, and they say, just jump to that platform there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> with the flanks you know like eh, it's not it's not like we we don't do that so i mean he's just the experienced guardian manipulating the others yeah i guess that's true <laughs> it's not like we're all innocent so i think if yeah if they'd all been on one level and all with the same intentions they probably would have done pretty well i think they'd still all have died but yeah so and I think, I mean, I think a lot of this was like an, a big, ex it was a, a big experiment for Toland. He wanted to see how the Hive fought against Guardians. He wanted to see how Guardians fought against the Hive. He wanted to see what kind of magic they could use. You know, again, with the belief, like the belief that his ultimate goal was to drag Ariana 3 in there and use her, her light as a, a tribute to, to Ear Ute so he could hear the death song. Yeah. Uh, and then ascend himself. So for all this, all this effort, all these missions, all this questing, listening to Eris drone on and not make any sense, she finally gives us a reward, and her reward is murmur, a fusion rifle. 
uh, talk with her, and she says, I've waited so long for this day. Crota's soul is broken. His reign cut short. Take this, Guardian. I thank you. And it's a fusion rifle. It wasn't a uh, terrible fusion rifle. At the time, no, it wasn't. And it had this cool perk, like the ability to switch between solar and arc damage is unique still to Murmur. Uh, there's no other weapon in the game that does that. Man, yeah, that's right. I f- almost forgot about that. So. Uh, and I was, it was cool at the time. So. This leads us directly to the raid. The raid opens up at this point. Uh, and we will cover that in the next episode. Or we'll try to. But we still have these other parts of these missions. So similar to how Destiny's played out, once you complete the main storyline, there's other aspects that open up to you. And in this case, we have this quest, The Extermination, uh, which is Crota's soul may be defeated, but his armies remain. See to their extermination, uh, Eris Morn. And this leads to a quite an involved quest line. Uh there's a lot of really cool stuff and it's packed with like really interesting bits. So we're going to talk about that on the next episode. We'll talk about like the eyes, hand, heart of Crota. We'll talk about the urn of sacrifice. What role Zer plays in all this. Uh, we'll talk about Urzok the hated because that dude's a monster. Uh, and we'll talk about a quest, the ritual of sacrifice quest that if you never played it in year one, you have no way to play it at all anymore. Uh, it is now locked out of the year two questification, which is unfortunate because I believe it's a it's a really cool mission. It's got a really cool mechanic at the end, uh, but I'm pretty sure you cannot play it anymore, which is sad. At, at which point was it cut out? Uh, it must have been cut out during. Well, you could only ever play it once in year one, and once you did it, it disappeared from the director. Uh, and there was no way to get it back because you couldn't restart the quest. Did it go away but after House of Wolves came? It m- no, I don't think it did because if you hadn't done the Dark Below stuff, you could still go and start this quest, which ends in this fight. Uh, I think it wasn't until they questified, like in the Taken King, where they turned all this into one sort of storyline that they cut this part of it out. Uh so well, I mean, I don't know. I mean, I don't. All my missions are done in mm. 2.0. Like, if you haven't done any of the dark below stuff, like, let us know, and let us know if you can still access this mission, uh, extermination, and the ritual of sacrifice uh, via the new 2.0 quest system. But I'm I'm pretty sure that it's no longer accessible, which is sad. Yeah, because cool. I don't actually remember doing this at all. Really? And uh, see, I I had vanilla. All the way through, like, the height of Dark Below. Mm-hmm. Uh, I only played vanilla. And then right about... It was closer to Taken King, I think. I played... Uh, got House of Wolves and Dark Below together. And played those. And, and I kind of mixed around which ones I played. And then I got Taken King. And that's when I actually started playing Destiny seriously. Uh-huh. So I missed out on a lot of this Dark Below stuff. Especially in the height of its... Uh, newness and its usefulness as far as stuff you get from it. Yeah. Yeah, this fight was was pretty bananas. You have to fight two ogres with a sword and all kinds of like crazy stuff, so. I know for a fact I didn't do either raid until Taken King. Oh, wow. 
Yeah. Because not only did I just play vanilla, but I didn't have anyone to play with. Aww. So it was only once Taking King dropped and I started playing seriously then, I finally did Crota <laughs> with a team who had done it many times. And we're just like, you know what, just stand there and let us kill him because you're underleveled. Yeah. I wonder if how, if you can still get, maybe the Grimoire was just issued to people because there's Grimoire associated with this mission. Uh, but I don't know how you would get it now if you can't do this mission. Uh, but anyway. I feel like I've got it. Because <laughs> I, I, uh, I checked what Grimoire I'm missing and I'm pretty sure none of this was it. Oh, yeah, wait, wait for, the, for the eyes and the hand and the heart sort of Grimoire? Well, there's also the Ritual of Sacrifice Grimoire and the Urn of Sacrifice Grimoire. Yeah, I feel like I have those. I know the, the eyes, hand and heart you don't get until you kill them, but you can keep doing that anyway. Yes. That leads to a bigger quest later on. Yeah. Uh, so anyway, we'll we'll talk about that next time. We'll talk about Will of Crota next time, the Omnigul strike, uh, and a couple other repercussions, and we'll take us into a full breakdown of uh, the Dark Below raid, Crota's End, and all the stuff that's incorporated there, especially since that has changed significantly also with the Taken King, where we head back through some of those places, but... The first time we encounter them is in in this particular raid. But that'll do it. This has been a crazy long episode. Uh, it's good to get back into it, though. But it's good, to, yeah. So this is it's a good way to start season two. Yeah, <laughs> that's right. And uh, like I said before, if you didn't catch our our little birthday episode, you should take a listen. It's fun. We we talked to some listeners from the Slack. Uh, just basically chit-chatted a little bit and and uh it's it's basically no lore just uh just talking uh but it, but it was a good time and something that i think that we're going to try to incorporate into future episodes uh getting some some of our more active listeners that are in our chat in to, to talk about some lore or ask some questions or or some other stuff so that'll be fun fun stuff and and We've still got some plans to to do some other great things this this next year. I mean, we've got a lot of stuff we didn't even get to that we talked about a ton uh, in our our first season. <laughs> it yes. sounds weird saying that, but uh, but we'll we'll get around to it. I mean, we've we've come a long way. We did a lot. We discussed it all on our birthday episode. But between you know our uh, just our website coming up and and us hitting fifty five releases uh and man uh we got our our community focus with bungie and we've interviewed a lot of great people and and uh, hopefully this this uh, upcoming year will be better yeah i'm looking forward to a lot of a lot of great stuff yeah so all right well wrapping it up and by now you you know the drill but we are on twitter at dgo stories and you can email us actually you know what don't email us anymore. Go to our website. Go <laughs> to Destiny. Go. Yeah, go to destinyghoststories.com, uh, and you can leave some feedback there that will get e- sent to us and emailed to us a little bit easier, hopefully for you. Uh, just uh, just leave us leave us some info there. Go out to iTunes or whatever your your podcast application of choice is, and leave us uh, leave us some comments. Uh, we read them all and. Even the even the bad ones, <laughs> and <laughs> especially the bad ones. Yeah, especially the bad ones. And uh, I guess that's it. 
let's uh, bring this puppy to a close. So thanks. I don't know. I think we might have lost Gabble there towards the end. Uh, It's getting a little late here. But uh, we will, uh, I guess, see you all next time. Try. Have a good night. Bye. Day. Whenever you listen to this. I don't know. (laughs) Week. (laughs) Week. Sure. Tuesday. Hopefully. Okay, bye. (laughs) Okay, bye. Oh, I just ordered a green screen, too, by the way. Oh, nice. You didn't just want to paint your wall green? I don't have a wall behind me. I've got a fucking car behind me. (laughs) (laughs) I don't think Julie wants me to paint my car green. Uh, You never know. It'd be pretty cool. (laughs) (laughs) It's my car. car Yeah, record me going down the road and then chrome it out. Just wheels (laughs) and an x-ray head going down the road. (laughs) Just me. This is perfect. Yes, this is a great idea. Now I just need to get a, I got to get a green shirt and a green hat so that all that you see are like my glasses and beard. I'm going to paint my face green, except for <laughs> my beard. beard. Yeah, except for my beard and my, yeah, leave like my is eyes and glasses and beard. streaming or something. Yes, with. yes. Oh, man, do I don't a, think I have anything green. I should get something green. Yeah, it'd be, it'd be fun. I don't even know how to do that. It'd be like... <laughs> Start up a new channel called The Beard and just be a beard. (laughs) That's pretty amazing. That would actually be hilarious. (laughs) You should you should wear you should like get one of the like printouts of your face and wear it as a mask and then be like, hey, is that the real X ray? And you pull it off and all there is is beard (laughs) underneath. Face reveal. (laughs) Uh Because your face is painted. Like, I shall reveal, and you just pull the mask off, and underneath is just x-ray beard and glasses. See, I'm disappointed that more streamers don't, like, put in, like, like some, like, crazy exotic background. Like, like me, I'm sitting on a beach or something. Have, like, the waves going behind me or something like that. And <laughs> Instead put of me just on, nothing. Yeah, sit on Fell Winter's Peak or just, you know, just whatever. Yeah, just go. That's awesome. Uh, we don't have fancy names, though. We're starting the season with normal names. They're short and named, I guess. Well, we've been gone for two weeks. Let's make sure people remember who we are. Make sure remember who we are. Saying it would be hilarious if... I don't, not that we ever do it, but it'd be hilarious if we like introduced with normal names, like our actual names. <laughs> <laughs> people like, people would be so confused. Yeah, hey, this is Nathan, and uh, coming to you with this week. <laughs> yeah. This week yeah, I've got like, Kyle it, it, and Kyle, Dan, and Laura. Bring in your law. Yeah. <laughs> Everyone be like, "What?" They go back and check and make sure it's the right podcast. <laughs> <I know. laughs> Welcome, listeners. It's October 9th. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and you're listening to a podcast. <laughs> <laughs> We'll do we'll do we'll do new names for in when what's the calendar look like? We gotta do spooky Halloween names at some point. Oh yes, that's pretty soon. That's like a couple weeks. Yeah. Oh, actually, 
the 31st is a Monday for me. So that'll be... It's a Monday for everyone. No, no, no. But I mean, like, that's the date. <laughs> Sorry. I'm, I, I've, I phrased that really weirdly for what my brain was thinking. It's the Monday that we'll, pro- we'll record for me because I record on Mondays. Oh, that's right. Yeah, we'll start recording on... Well, I'll start recording on the 30th and finish on Halloween. So, like, right when it hits midnight, I'll be like, Happy Halloween, mother... <laughs> <laughs> All right. Is it time? Oh, it's time. Let's let's do the thing that we do so well. That thing we do. Got to stretch a little bit here. It can't take you doing that thing you do. (laughs) (laughs) Every time? (laughs) Give it to me. All right. Here we go.